Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. Oh, good afternoon. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. 93.5107.5 The Fan. You a tweet deck guy there, Jimmy? Never got into the tweet deck, no. Eddie didn't either. I'm a big tweet deck guy. What? Sorry. I was RIP. a big tweet deck guy <laughs> now that it's behind a paywall. Elon Musk. What the hell? I, you know, when they announced the news he was the guy, I was like, oh, okay. That's cool, I guess. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> Man. What you mean, uh, changing the logo, uh, basically making the authentication process of being verified now a sham of paying $8 a month, and now the tweet deck being put behind the same paywall isn't enough to make you smile and be proud of what's happening? It isn't. It's <laughs> not. Yeah, it's one of these, hey, uh, all right, let's make them pay for the blue check mark. That didn't work. Let's make them pay for tweet deck. That'll get them paying. Freaking Elon. You, you know, know, my I, mom said, it was funny, I was visiting home. She said, no wonder he's rich. <laughs> Smart line. It's true, actually. You know, I would sacrifice an occasional downy ad if it meant that all these features weren't put behind a paywall. Maybe yeah. it's just me. I yeah. don't know. Hey, but. I'm with it. I'm on The Athletic. It's Ad City. Yeah, I don't have anything against ads. That's fine with me. Just don't make me pay for something I've gotten for free, for goodness, the better part of a decade. <laughs> How about Jonathan Taylor? Let's shift the focus to him. He left again. JT has left the building. Now, the Colts are saying that it's a it's a personal matter. And by all indications, that's correct. So what seemed initially like the latest turn in the soap opera doesn't seem to be that. Yeah, you kind of got to push the brakes with it because if it's a personal matter and everybody's agreeing with it, that could be anything from someone passing away in the family sure. to an illness of some kind and maybe relative or friends of his to, to anything. So... I'm glad at least, even though it is a, I want to call it a bump in the road, but it is the latest chapter in this saga, at least it is one that everybody involved appears to be in agreement. It is a personal matter. It is another excused absence. And whatever the personal matter is, you hope it gets resolved in a positive light. The part about this, if they don't mend fences, or at least JT comes back and plays, (laughs) right? Like, if he's like, no, I meant it when I said I want to be traded, and he digs his heels in... What's interesting now about the running back market is a couple of the deck chairs have been rearranged where you look at Zeke, Ezekiel Elliott, he's now with the Pats, Dalvin Cook, who you've mentioned a few times as maybe a backup plan, Mm -hmm. if you will, he's now with the Jets, so where does that leave the Colts? They kick the tires on Kareem Hunt. If it's not Kareem Hunt, who is it? That's, That's if... JT, his heels are dug in. That's all built on an if that we don't know will be the case when it really comes down to it. I mean, if we're going off of name recognition and assuming that they are going to go outside the building to do that, Leonard Fournette's the only other big name that's out there. And again, from a market value standpoint, at least what SpotRack evaluates, most of the guys that we talked about before, Cook, Hunt, Elliott, were in the, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten million dollar a year range. Their analysis on Leonard Fournette is like two to four. So, I mean, if that's the type of price window you're looking at for a one-year deal, low-risk move, you hope it doesn't come to that. 
I will say, and then this is me being the optimist in this chair, but the fact that it appears, <laughs> at least from reports from both sides, that the conversation of JT going to the Colts or whoever went to the Colts and saying, hey, I'm dealing with a personal matter, I need to take some time, and the Colts giving the thumbs up, the fact that there's still a channel of that dialogue open, whether it's direct or whether it's through a medium, that that's a positive for me. There's at least still some healthy dialogue even though it's nothing towards a resolution, it at least means that there's still channels open between the two parties. Yeah, sure. And listen, I I think cynically, like part of my process, it's not the only thing right. that I do, but I automatically think, is that true? Yeah. It might not be the Colts. It could be the Bengals. It could be anybody. Mm-hmm. Immediately, I think, okay, is this true? And then I right after think, well, if it's not, the other side is going to, you know, set the record straight. So if the Colts said, oh, yeah, he's, it's a, a personal matter, that, and it, that wasn't the case, well, JT and his representation, they're going to come right out and say, no, 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 we've left. We're rehabbing the ankle, yada, yada, right? They would set the record straight. So I do buy it. I think it is true. But I think also that you look at where the running back market is if you need a fallback option in Anthony Richardson's rookie season. That's the whole thing here. And then you think what is also problematic, it's a team trading for JT and also the ankle injury. So let me get this straight. If JT's heels are dug in that I want to be traded, another team has to give up picks right, or a, a higher pick higher than you know they would want to give up based on the running back market being where it is they have to give up a pick and we don't know where he's at based on he missed multiple games last year he's still rehabbing the ankle that doesn't help uh, JT in terms of if he wants to move on if the Colts wanted to move him that doesn't help them either but Jim Mersey has said we're not trading the guy it's just a crazy situation it reminds me of the Indy 500 this is a weird thing yeah I go way back. It's a little different now, but way back, Indy 500 before the first lap, the cars are just swerving around, warming up the tires. They're all out of formation. And then right before that first lap, there's just three, 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 row by row by row, just perfect. And that's the hope for Colts fans is as like dysfunctional and erratic as it's been leading up to the season, that hopefully it all lines up and JT's back, and JT's happy enough, or mad enough, <laughs> where he goes out there and balls out, right? Like, that's the hope. The other complex around JT wanting a trade, and to your point regarding the value that a team that would be trading for him, of what they would have to give up, and the argument of the Colts, well, you don't want to let him walk for nothing, and I don't necessarily disagree with that, but they still have one more year of team control with him, and then the tag comes into play. But for another team... If you're seeing all this unfold, let alone the injury, because it's an ankle injury that it's still up in the air of how hurt is it really still? Like, what's the full status of it? We don't know. All we know is that he failed his initial physical and that he's still rehabbing the injury per him and his agent. You're taking a risk if you're a team training for him of his health status and how available he's going to be this year. But also knowing that you are welcoming in this running backs fair pay fight effectively. Right. Next offseason, right? Either you're going to have to yeah. tag him like you would and just assume that he's going to be going quietly and uh, accept the tag or have this same public battle play out, only this time instead of the Colts, it's you 
that are having to deal with it as another franchise. So that's something else you have to factor in of what am I really willing to give up for him? And then is it enough to actually entice the Colts to move on? Yeah, I always go to relationships. You could go in many different directions, but if you are interested in a girl and her relationship is a little bit rocky, mm-hmm. I mean, okay, that's what happens in relationships. But depending on how rocky, maybe you want to take that into account, right? Yeah. Or if it's a house, if you're thinking about buying a house and they're like, oh, we've had all these irrigation issues and it's like, well, guess what? Those are going to be our issues. <laughs> so you're right. Yeah. That's a great way to look at it where if this offseason, the way it's played out for the Colts, and JT, if you're one of the other teams that are interested in trading for JT, that can't make you feel better if you're like, well, guess what we're signing up for is this offseason, next offseason. <laughs> that's not too appealing. No, and that's aside from the money aspect of it too, which is that if the market was in a better place, not only would JT have more leverage, but there would be, I think, more reported buyers or reported interest in Jonathan Taylor services because he's still very young. He's only a year removed from being the leading running back in the National Football League. And who's to say he can't bounce back and have another performance like that this year? But relationships not only matter from player to team, they matter from agent to team. And with how things have been conducted at this point, yes, blame, as we talked about, belongs on Jim Mercy's hands as well, but it belongs equally so on JT's representation, if I'm another front office, do I really want to be dealing with this right. next offseason of having to negotiate with this guy when he's getting in Twitter spats with another NFL owner? That's what's so hard about a running back fighting for his money is because the market is not in your advantage. And so, you know, James Harden, we talked about him yesterday. He's pulled this. This is the third time now yeah. that he's trying to force his way out. And he landed softly the last couple of times. He ended up in Brooklyn with KD and Kyrie. There are worse places to be. So he's ended up where he's wanted to go because his market is different than the running back market in the NFL right now. And yeah, so, man, it would be one thing if if the market was so where JT's fight, it was going to end in what he wanted in Indianapolis. Or worst case, it was going to end with what he wanted elsewhere. But it's probably not. And now it's like you're hustling backwards, unfortunately, where you become this high maintenance risk of do we want to deal with the drama? And I understand it. I'm sure front offices understand it as well. He's trying to get paid. He's doing what he can to get paid and to get what he perceives as fair value. And the market just isn't there. And so he's becoming like this potential high-maintenance guy, even though it makes sense with what he's doing. That's It's crazy, man. So he might not get the deal he wants with the Colts, and he might be hurting his already low market value just based on running backs far and wide, not him specifically. He's hurting his chances with other teams. In his long-term outlook your best play and it's a risky play because every play is risky for running backs in today's nfl play out this year make the four million plus your due and then next offseason try to evaluate things with the colts whether that's trying to find a trade partner whether that is going the holdout route again if they place the tag on you i can't imagine they let him walk free unless they're really that tired of it and they don't want to move on i can't imagine they don't weaponize the tag but right. that's just a risk you're going to have to take if you're Jonathan Taylor, if the alternative is sitting on the sidelines 
not available to play unless, of course, like it really is a long term ankle thing and he can't get out there. Like that's a different story. But if he's got all clear from all the doctors involved, I have a hard time finding a better path for him right now than just playing out the year and resuming the battle next offseason. Someone put it out there on Twitter. Uh, It was a lawyer. I'd give him credit, but, you know, I'm just scrolling. (laughs) But I won't take credit for this. I thought it was a good point. He basically said, hey, maybe JT and the Colts can come to some sort of compromise where the Colts agree not to franchise tag him next offseason. Maybe that's something they could give him that would halfway sweeten the pot. That's the question now is, we don't think he's going to get the long-term contract he's looking for. We also think he's probably not going to get traded for all the reasons that we mentioned. He's got an ankle. The market is what it is. A lot of teams don't want to give up picks for running backs. So maybe the, the Colts can do something to make him, you could put a Band-Aid on it for now, yeah. and maybe that's agreeing not to franchise tag him. Think about Saquon Barkley with the Giants. It took $900,000 in incentives for him to be like, all right, Right, but it was something. Yeah. So I don't know if it's incentive based for JT. It's guaranteeing they're not going to use the franchise tag next offseason, but maybe there's something the Colts will do. You got to meet somewhere in the middle, I would think, to fully entice JT to come back. On the other hand, if we're being full power hungry team outlook on this, you don't have to do anything. I mean, you have all the cards. It's just a matter if you're doing a good faith thing by your running back or if you're expect him to fold and be there because he's going to be penalized financially. Otherwise, if I'm the Colts and I agree in this hypothetical not to tag him and he reports back, I have a hard time not wanting to deal him before the deadline, though, because he is still an incredibly talented running back and an impact player in this league to the point that to see him walk at just 25 years old would be for nothing would be very hard to stomach, even with what the market being what it is. Isn't it so funny how the tables could turn drastically? So the Colts right now are saying, look, man, the running back market is what it is. There's a CBA, no to an extension. And here's a contract that you still sign that you have one more year owed to us. But then the trade deadline rolls around. And they're saying to teams, like, look at this guy. He had an 1,800-yard rushing season. What do you mean a fourth-round pick? You know what I mean? (laughs) So it completely changes in terms of what's fair compensation. I also think this. It wasn't that long ago that Christian McCaffrey got traded to the Niners. And when we're talking about draft capital, we're talking it was like a second, a third, a fourth, a fifth. It was a lot of picks. Yeah. And look, Christian McCaffrey has been more productive. That's that's the first thing. He's been more injury-prone but he's been more productive, and especially in the passing game. If you look at Christian McCaffrey, some of these seasons, he just started off, first first three seasons in the NFL with Carolina, 80 catches, 107 catches, 116 catches. That's a ton. That 116 catch season, he had nearly 2,400 yards from scrimmage. <laughs> so he's in a different... Yeah, different stratosphere. He's in a different category. I wouldn't say night and day. I think that's going too far with JT, but that's a different category in terms of compensation. Night and day isn't as big of a leap, though, in in today's NFL. I don't think that's fully fair because they they dominate in different ways, but they're still dominant at the position. But the reason that you saw McCaffrey receive the contract he did initially from Carolina and why the 49ers were so intrigued to try to bring him in is because of what you highlighted, his ability in the passing game. And that's not to say that 
traditional running backs can't still be valued. Derrick Henry got paid, albeit about $4 million a year less than what Christian McCaffrey got. And there's still a 12 to $13 million range for the top five in the league in terms of per years that you're going to get on a contract. But just being a traditional back is not enough anymore to fully sway the banks to be broken open for you. And even if you're a pass catching back, the gap is still there with running backs that can like look at Austin Eckler. I mean, he's been trapped in a weird situation in LA with the chargers, but he is a back that can do both. And he's found himself more towards the middle of the pack throughout his time in LA. Yeah. It's crazy with the market being what it is that the Panthers for McCaffrey got a second, third and fourth this year. And they get a fifth next year. That that's a lot for a running back. I mean, that's pretty much peak value. And all things in this day and age. Yes, and all and all things considered for Carolina. The other argument we made way back when this first started was, well, why do running backs get paid in today's NFL? And it's either because the team is is just in the old ways of thinking from a front office standpoint, or they realize this guy is a face of a franchise player. He is our most accepted and most popular commodity that we have and he does help us win football games we can't let this guy walk let's pay him and then that's part of the reason that they did pay Christian McCaffrey because he was arguably their best player on the team but they were a bad team right and eventually they saw we need to reboot we need to reset things there's not a future where this heavy contract at a position that isn't viewed as a premium spot anymore we need to get it off the books I was surprised that A, San Francisco went and got it, but B, they were willing to give up as much as they did to make it happen. And you can't say it didn't work out for them. I mean, right. their offense still chugged right along and oh, he was yeah. a valuable asset to them. And I mean, you read the numbers already. So hard to be mad at them, but days of that big compensation are few and far between for that position. McCaffrey was a big deal for the Niners last mm-hmm. year because they were three and three to start off the season. McCaffrey gets there. And their offense kicked into high gear. And think about this, too. You could bring this back to a Colts situation. Think how big Christian McCaffrey was for a rookie quarterback in Brock Purdy, Mm -hmm. who had seven wins, including the postseason. If you don't have Christian McCaffrey back there, and you've just got, you know, Elijah Mitchell, who's good, but he's banged up and he's not CMC, that makes a big difference. So when you look at the Colts and Anthony Richardson as a rookie, you definitely want JT back there. I just don't think organizations are as dumb as the Colts have been this offseason. That, that's really what it boils down to is what organization is going to throw out a tweet? Is York going to be like, hey, deal with it, running backs. This is the, the CBA. This is, hey, when uh, Christian McCaffrey retires, no one's going to miss the guy. <laughs> what? Why are you making things more difficult than, in, than they need to be? We'll never know. I ask that question all the time <laughs> in, in regards to to Jim Irsay. We try to read the tea leaves jokingly, but it's he's very much an enigma. And yet, despite all of that, there's still a situation where it ends up working out for the Colts, potentially in spite of Jim Irsay, because Jonathan Taylor realizes the severity of the situation he's in. And, I mean, look, it. I'm not saying that it's all apples to apples in terms of comparing situations for players when they take time off from the NFL and then they come back and try to be the same player they were. Le'Veon Bell is the best example from a running back standpoint. This next example, I understand it was because of his off the field issues, but when they finally were able to get to Sean Watson back in Cleveland, like 
he didn't look like the Deshaun Watson that we'd seen previously have, after having taken a year off of football. It takes a while to get yourself back up to speed. The Browns are banking on Deshaun Watson returning to his all-pro near form that he had in 2019 before the off-the-field stuff. And if that doesn't work out, then they've wasted years of draft capital to do it. And I get that that's a different position than running back, but the point remains the same. If you're Jonathan Taylor, unless you're legitimately hurt, Forget the financials. You can't afford to take a year off of football right. and then come back in 2024 and be less than you were expected to be in 2023. I hear you. I think sometimes you ever take a stance just based on principle, even though it didn't really work out in your favor? Yeah. Yes. I've got a story for you. Okay. So I'm in Portland, okay? I go to a pizza place, Domino's Pizza, which I'm very fond of. And so I get my, my za, as they say on the East Coast. <laughs> I, I'll throw za out there. Do you? I got, I got nothing wrong with I it. I do too. I like it. I borrowed it from them. But um, I get the pizza, and I'm paying in person. So I think it was like seven ninety nine. I think. And so I gave them a 10 or a 20, whatever. And so they give me my change back, and they go, oh, we're out of pennies. That was it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I didn't say anything. But I'm like, you know what? I shouldn't pay for your mistake. Correct. Okay? Like, if you're out of pennies, well, that's tough. Then you got to give me a nickel. Or, or at least give me some coupons and say, hey, we're sorry about that. Come in here. Yeah. This is way more worth that one penny. Good. Whatever. Yes. Like, just treat your customers yeah, do make good. right. Absolutely. They didn't do that. I never went back there again. Don't blame me. Not one time. Now, I was working against myself, but it was a stance based on principle. I love the product. But I didn't think they treated me right or fairly. So guess what? Screw you. I'm not going there. So to that particular Domino's or to that particular okay, one. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, I've I kind of got out of the habit so greatly. I can't remember the last time I've had it. Sure. And I'm fond of it. But anyway, so the point is, if you look at that, comparing it to two situations, look at James Harden with Philly. He just went and said. I will no longer be a part of this organization, uh, any organization that Daryl Morey is a part of. He's a liar. I'm not doing it. Even if this works against him, that's what he has said. Whether he follows through or not, we'll see. But that's what he said. It's a stance based on principle that actually might hurt him. Yeah. And what the Colts have done with the way they've handled it this offseason, they've at least given JT ammunition to say, you know what? Even if this hurts me, I'm not doing it. Based on principle. Yeah. The way you threw that tweet out there, Jim Mersey, the way you talked about me, no one's going to miss me when I'm gone. They're giving him ammunition to say, you know what? Even if it hurts me financially, just based on principle, I'm not playing for them anymore. I don't think it's going to come to that. But why plant that seed? Why play that game? It's so unnecessary. It's a foolish move. We amp- we amplified that when it had happened, whatever, a couple of weeks ago. I will say, though, and I've gotten way better about this as I've uh, <laughs> gotten to my late 20s, but my early 20s, I had a bad habit of not being like late for job assignments, but like being late for random things, like maybe like a dinner reservation or a flight. That often happened. I would oversleep. And A flight? My Hold up. This has a happy ending for me, <laughs> a frustrating ending for my wife. Like, I, I could not fully oversleep the flight, but be, but be late enough to where it's going to be very tight. Oh, man. Like, there's a good chance I'm not making it on this bird. But every time I did. 
Yeah. Every time it worked out to yep. the point that my wife is like, I don't get it. Like I'm always on time for everything. And, and you have these missteps, but it always works out for you. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, it's, it's a weird thing. I don't know why it happens like that. It does. And I've again, stopped tempting fate as I've grown older, but that point might still hold true for the Colts, which is that Jim Irsay has not handled this situation. Well, They've bottled a lot of what could have been maybe not smooth negotiations, but definitely not in a spot where there is this unnecessary ammo. And the other side of that coin is it might not matter because Jonathan Taylor might look at the principle of it all and realize I could do this. This would be a very strong move for me. But is the long term effects it could have on me worth this stance as a 24 year old completely? And it might still end up working out for the Colts, despite the foolhardiness by which things have been handled. No doubt. It absolutely could work out. But will it made it more difficult yeah, than it needs have. to be. Yeah. And <laughs> I work with that guy. That's funny. It's <laughs> <laughs> on TV. I was like, whoa, whoa that was crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I, I go back to the Giants real fast. Saquon Barkley goes on the podcast and says, hey, my leverage is I don't show up and just kind of say bleep you to the team and the my teammates. And the next thing you know, he's agreeing to that $900,000 incentive-laden deal. And it's like, if the Giants did the same thing as the Colts, would he have agreed to that? Maybe. Maybe not. But why why make it more difficult? I, I, don't, yeah. I don't understand that. But we'll see how it unfolds. Hey, we've got some unfortunate news with a, a Colts player going down. I, oh, I wrote down in my notes, um, playoff Lenny. That sounds better, Jimmy, than sub-500 Lenny or regular season Lenny. <laughs> if Leonard Fournette is coming here to the Colts, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I don't know how much that does Do for you. Do you think the branding and the nickname there is in jeopardy? Yeah, I think it's in jeopardy here. <laughs> you got to stay true to the brand with playoff Lenny, you know? By the way, while we have a second, we're going to highlight this throughout the show, but in case you've missed the boat on this, there's still time to hop aboard. But tomorrow afternoon, the fan takes its talents to the back nine golf and entertainment center uh equally as good the back nine golf and entertainment center 10 a.m to 4 30 p.m tomorrow it will be filled with fun golf food tournament style games we're going to be doing a live midday show there tomorrow jmv is going to be live three till six kevin jake andy the whole gang going to be out there as well and plenty of great Packages you can bid on from an auction, silent auction standpoint. We got an old Forester VIP tour on Whiskey Row. There's a Pacers VIP experience package. QC Kinetics is involved. There's a Butler lower level ticket package, a Weber grill package. All kinds of good stuff could be yours. Even if you aren't able to make it for the full festivities, you can still come out and support the silent auction as everything from that auction is set to benefit this year's charity. And again, it's presented by the Franciscan Health Heart Center and benefits the American Heart Association. Things will get started tomorrow, 10 a.m. Officially after lunch and everything underway at 11. Again, ride with JMV 3 till 6. We'll do a live show out there as well. Back 9 Golf and Entertainment Center. Tickets still available while supplies last on 1075thefan.com. I'll tell you what, you are a hell of a spokesman. I mean that. I do what I can. You do a great, just smooth, informative, excitement. I'm in. I'm hyped. I, I, don't I, even I can't know wait what, for tomorrow. I don't even know what this thing is. I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel. All right, coming up next, does a guy who made vacuum cleaners have something in common with the Colts? I'm Brian No. He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. Where do you stand on Guns N' Roses there, Jimbo? Fine with Guns N' Roses, but like most of the classical rock or or more modern rock, I don't have a ton of it. It's mainly just big hits, mainstream hits with that, with my like rock collection. You know what's funny? Love me some GNR, by the way. Do you? I do. I got a funny GNR story for you, at least related. So I was trying to get this job at NFL Network, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I need a video because I haven't done much of that. It's been radio. Like stand-ups? Yeah. Sure. And so uh, Blaine Bishop, I was living in Nashville at the time. Blaine Bishop played for the Titans, and he was doing local radio there. And he had also worked for NFL Network. So I'm like, I'll, work, I'll reach out to Blaine. Awesome dude. Former Ball State alum. Maybe that's why he had some love for me. Chirp, chirp. He's like, sure, I'll help you out, young lad. <laughs> so we go out in front of Titan Stadium, and we're just shooting this thing this little video for nfl network talking about the upcoming season i ask him a few questions so i can send it off in the background is gnr they're getting ready for this concert <laughs> <laughs> in the background is like din, din, din. <laughs> din, din. like sound check and all these people are starting to walk in i'm like oh this kind of sucks because we're supposed to be doing this sports thing in front of the stadium and all these people are like, GNR, woo! And they're walking by. And I had this little GoPro, and I didn't know, <laughs> know how to use it like a normal camera. <laughs> so it looked all, I don't know, we're all distorted. We're like, you know, those funny mirrors? Yes. And you, that's kind of how we looked. <laughs> I'm like, oh, gosh. I sent it off anyway. I, shockingly, they didn't go with me. Did they, did they get back to you? I don't think they even did that. I can't remember, honestly. It's it's been a while. The GoPro failed you. GNR failed you. <laughs> Freaking GNR. But I do like some GNR. Don't like. Uh, don't don't mind them at all. Slash is an all timer too. Slash is a great guitarist. Okay, so I read this quote. This is from James Dyson. I'll give you a little bit more on James Dyson here. So he um, innovated the dual cyclone vacuum cleaner. So he had. <laughs> 5,127 prototypes, okay? He's tinkering with this thing. He's like, I can't quite get it. Over 5,100 prototypes. Just trying, failing, trying, failing. That's the backdrop. He made it. He's estimated worth is around $29 billion now. So he figured it out. And it was funny because some of these companies, the manufacturing companies, they're like, yeah, no, we're not really sold on it. So he's like, fine, I'll just do my own thing. And now he's worth almost $30 billion. So it worked out for old James Dyson. <laughs> I bring him up because I saw a quote from him the other day. He said, I learned that the moment you want to slow down is the moment you should accelerate. Okay, so that like his whole vacuum cleaner thing, and hey, man, I, I can't figure this out. Maybe I should slow it down. Maybe I should give it up. I, I, I heard that, and I'm like, wow, that's, that's a great quote. And then I thought about the Colts, okay? Now, here's the thing, Jimmy. I have my stances. I have my opinions, but I always think about the other side, like gambling. I'm sure you guys do this, mm-hmm. Jimmy and Eddie. I, I make a bet, or, or even before I make the bet, I could feel strongly like, oh, man, I really like... 
whatever, the the Raiders plus the points this this week. I always think about what could go wrong. What could be wrong about my assessment, especially when you enter the bet? Do you ever feel like that? Like, oh, man, Braves, no doubter. And then you're like, I'm going heavy. And then you're like, wait a minute. What if the other guy pitches well? Right? All these thoughts yeah. go through your head. Do they not? Yeah. For example, sorry about this. For example, my favorite what bet all the, year what if has the Yankees been, score? I don't know. Like, Well, that's what I was going to go with. I'm not going to attack the Reds, but they might make the plays of the day now for that comment. But uh, that's not where I was going with this. What I was going to say was I loved betting minus one and a half for whoever's playing the athletics this year, but the Cardinals were on the schedule to open the week, so I did not include them. Yeah. And the Cardinals covered two out of those three games. Mm. But it was that hesitation of looking at the other side of things. The Athletics aren't actively trying to win games, but the Cardinals sure don't look like they are either. So maybe we just stay away altogether. Right. Which right. is what I did. Right. Hey, hey, I get it. I think if you apply this to the Colts, I've made my stance known. Anthony Richardson doesn't have much experience. I don't like them throwing him in the deep end in week one. But what James Dyson said, I learned that the moment you want to slow down is the moment you should accelerate. There is an argument there, and I get it for learning by doing, learning on the job, just when you think you should slow down and maybe wait until midseason or whatever. No, accelerate this bad boy, get him in there. It could work out. I don't think it will. It's not the move I would make. I can understand the thinking behind it and why the Colts are doing what they're doing. And James Dyson, hey, maybe his philosophy, maybe his stance, it actually works out in the favor of the Colts. It could. I absolutely acknowledge it could. I strongly don't think it will. But that's not a fact. That's an opinion. And the tough part about the perspective of all of that is, for me, why I would have been okay one way or the other. Like, I wanted the other side of the coin. So I'm I'm happy that they threw him out there and they're going by immersion here for his learning experience. They want him straight up week one and learn on the job on the fly. But I get the other side of it because you've seen other quarterbacks sit out a year, sit on an extended period of time. Sometimes it's worked out. Sometimes it hasn't. The bigger thing for me, either way, either pathway they would have chosen. I don't think if he fails as a quarterback, it's going to be because they started in week one. In the same way, if they would have held him out seven weeks and you fast forward five years down his career or hold him out a whole year, I don't think that's the sole determiner of, well, he's not going to make it in the NFL because they sat him out. It's now in his control. Regardless of what the philosophy is on it, if you're a good quarterback or a quarterback that's able to make it in the NFL, overcome adversity, whether it's elite or whether it's just a starter or a cube, whatever, surviving in the NFL is a privilege that only a handful of human beings are able to do. You're going to overcome it one way or the other, whether they start you week one or not, or you just weren't meant to be. That That's just my, maybe that's a simple way of looking at it, but that's my takeaway, regardless of what opinion I would have had, that okay, they're holding him, but that doesn't mean he can't be a good quarterback if they're going to not play him until week seven. I look at it like this, and it's not completely different from you, but it is different. Okay, I'll give you a radio story real fast. Sure. So there was a consultant that we had years ago, a guy named Rick Scott. I was doing radio in the New York area. Nice. Okay. Talk Yankees, the Mets stink, whatever. Sure. But he would give us advice, as all consultants do. And uh, one of the things that he said that always stuck with me, he's like, Brian, you make this little adjustment here, you tweak this there, you add this there, all of a sudden you got a great radio station. And it's true. 
it's not just radio. It's You could apply that to a lot of different things. You could apply it to a football team. You could apply it to a football player. And so I think with, with A. Rich, right, I think that the difference between starting him in week one and week seven isn't earth-shattering, yeah. but there is a difference. And if there's a, a little something here, if there's a little something there, that can add up and reduce some of the stress, some of the expectations. You sure. know what I mean? Sure. And we both agree that the reaction, if he does badly in week one, that differs from if the Colts have lost four or five games and then he's the starter and the expectations aren't sky high. I'm not saying they're going to be sky high for week one, but they're going to be different, Mm -hmm. right? I think that's just a little off his plate. There's enough on his plate already as a rookie with limited experience. Just taking a little bit off your plate, I think that's good and I think that puts him in a better spot. So I don't want to make it sound like it's... It's doom and gloom. It's only going to fail. They just wrecked his entire career. I'm just saying this is a little morsel off of his plate. And I think when he has all that stuff to deal with on top of it, I think it's smarter to do it that way and wait. And because they've chosen the other path, you have to rely on the other moves they've made, which is bringing in Shane Steichen to be the decision maker here, to be the head coach of this football team, and relying on Gardner Minshew to be the veteran backup that they are expecting him to be and being not just a supporting member of that quarterback room, but also somebody that's going to help with whatever questions, whatever growth and development worries that Anthony Richardson may have, because at the end of the day, and I can say this now because I work in the media, but if I was a professional athlete and I listened to whatever, any kind of podcast, any kind of sports stuff growing up, or I was a fan of whatever first take, or I was a fan of just watching sports center all the time, I would not be listening to any of it. You can't afford to because it's going to be like, you're right. The stakes are going to be higher, but if he doesn't have somebody in his ear to let him know, Hey, that outside noise does not matter. Then yes, you risk the plate fully overflowing and him crumbling underneath the stress of the job. He needs to focus solely on what's in that building. Right. And that's why I think having somebody like Gardner Minshew, who has been in national headlines before, whether just because of his on-field performance and the mustache or just because of the teams he's been with, there's guys around him that have been in these high-pressure situations. You would hope that's enough to overcome the extra helpings that they've put onto his plate with him being the starter week one. You hope. No guarantee, but that's all you can hope now that they made that decision. Do you remember Mitch Trubisky, who coincidentally had the same number of starts in college as Anthony Richardson? Do you remember that he made a comment about turning off the televisions at Hallis Hall? <laughs> It was like he wanted the TVs turned off because there was too much negativity. They might have had it turned on NFL Network and they're like, Trubisky sucks. And he's like, how about we turn these TVs off? (laughs) What do you think about it? So I agree with you. It's just hard. It is hard. It's hard to shield yourself from everything. Because even if you are actively going like LeBron, zero dark 30, or at least that's what he says during the playoffs, right? And you're not paying attention to social media and you're doing your part. You've got people all around you. It could be a family member. It could be a friend. Hey, this Stephen A. was crushing you this morning or whatever. Somebody sends you an article on a yeah. text message. Yeah. could be someone in the locker room. It is really hard to shield yourself from everything. I totally agree with you. You should do everything you possibly can as a rookie with limited experience to do your part and just don't pay any attention to it. Shield yourself away from it because I don't think that negativity does any good for you. 
But, man, it's hard to avoid all of it. And I also think real fast is if you look at Anthony Richardson, one thing that's helpful – I mean, again, another little thing. This isn't massive. It's not earth-shattering. I think it helps him in his rookie season to not have a bigger name than Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. I think that helps a little bit because the scrutiny and the spotlight isn't going to be the same as I think it will be for those other guys. In theory, the only time he is captivating headlines or being the main story of the day is if he lights the world on fire. The overarching criticism is going to be more towards Bryce Young being the number one overall pick or C.J. Stroud being picked. Before. Like that's, that's the path that it's going to be on. Right. But eventually, if the struggles are long-term, it's inevitably going to happen. NFL Live, for everything that it does, does a great job of covering the whole league. At some point, they're going to come to the Colts, and it's going to be, how's that other rookie quarterback going? But I totally agree with you. Yeah. It is somewhat of a blessing and a shield that... Yeah. Bryce Young has all the eyeballs right now. Yeah, he really does. All right, coming up next. (sighs) There is a game that's very dangerous, Jimmy. It is the comparison game. (laughs) Details on that to come. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. Man, uh, I love making comparisons, Jimmy. Just doing sports radio. Oh, my gosh. The world is your oyster. There are so many comparisons you can make. And without fail, the one downside mainly is that people will not look at what's similar. They'll only focus on what's different, you know? Yeah. Um, It's not identical. It's a comparison. It's not going to be identical, right? I remember making a comparison years ago about Randy Moss and Brett Favre. And I just said, man, star-studded careers, Hall of Famers, but it didn't end ideally for either. You had Randy Moss was with the Titans and, you know, Brett Favre's last season with the Vikings. So it was similar in that regard. I'll never forget. Someone was like, how can you compare those two? Brett Favre was a warrior. Randy Moss plays when he wanted to play. I'm like, that wasn't the comparison, (laughs) man. Like, here's the thing. Golden rule. Don't look at who is being compared. Look at how they're being compared. It's not who, it's how. I say all that to say this. We've got a Twitter response right here. So our guy, David, shout out to him. He's participating. Love that. He tweets all of us. At the J. Cook, at the no show, at Eddie Garrison underscore. AKA the underscore. (laughs) That's what I love. It's like instead of an exclamation, it's even better than that. Way better. So David writes, you can't compare the NBA and NFL contracts. Owners have all the power in the NFL, while in the NBA, players have all the power. Yeah, we know. Here's the comparison. If we're talking about James Harden and Jonathan Taylor, the comparison was arguing based on principle, okay? James Harden says, I'm not being a part of an organization with Daryl Morey. He's a liar. I'm not doing it. That's a stance based on principle. There's a big element of it. That's, And we're just wondering, is JT going to do that? 
because Jim Irsay has given him, given him plenty of ammunition to do that should he choose to do so. That's the comparison. It's about principle. It's not about NBA versus NFL. If you want to stick with the NFL, Le'Veon Bell argued an entire season based on principle. Okay, it didn't work out for him. But if the NBA NFL thing is throwing you off, fine, we'll stick with the NFL. And does JT pull a Le'Veon Bell? In a way. And now that's even more dangerous because, well, Le'Veon Bell was hit with franchise tag and and Jonathan Taylor's under contract. I know. Good Lord. Stop looking at everything that's different and just try to look at what's similar. Okay, right? It's easier said than done sometimes. Depending Depending on who we're talking with. Yeah. But again, both of those scenarios of willing to take a stance based on principle alone it's worked out a handful of times when James Harden has fought for things. Yeah. Le'Veon Bell, if we're just sticking NFL, admirable what he did. At the time when it happened, I thought, okay, Le'Veon Bell's going to be a martyr, but th- this might this might work out. Like he mm-hmm. He's taken a hard stance, and maybe it is eye-opening. And not only was it not the following season, but the next time the CBA was up, there was no running to the hills for running backs. And I get it because it's a it's a whole convoluted process and there's so many position groups and so many things you're fighting for. Like, I know you want to concede on some things, but there was not a rallying cry for running backs the last go-around. And so just Jonathan Taylor, who is younger than Le'Veon Bell was when that happened, want to try a similar exercise, knowing that the only time fruit might be bared from his labor is in seven years the next time the CBA is right. up for debate. And that makes more sense. If you say, hey, Brian, based on NBA contracts differing from NFL, it's probably going to work out for James Harden. Probably not going to work out for Jonathan Taylor or, like you just said, Le'Veon Bell from the past. But they're both taking a leap sure. of faith. Right. Fine. Great. But is it good faith, though, Jimmy? They're, they're arguing based on principle. Yes. A, a lot of their yes. stance is based on that. Yes. And so that's the comparison. It might be easier for one or the other, but at the end of the day, it's still an argument on principle that you're willing to fight for. Yeah. Totes. Totally. I just tried it out for for dramatic (laughs) Did it feel good? It didn't. It felt bad. I felt trendy. All sorts of yuck. All right, coming up next, let's talk some Colts with George Bremer. A lot to get into. Also, (laughs) Stephen A. Smith said he regrets his Kwame Brown stance. I'm wondering if George regrets anything in his career it sounds like a loaded question but seriously when you throw out opinions left and right and all i wonder if there's anything on his resume that he's like yeah if i could redo that i would i'm excited to find out now. we'll find out i'm brian though he's jimmy cook it's 93.5 and 107.5 the fan i'm brian though he's jimmy cook here on the fan i don't know about you jimbo but I'm a little nervous right now we've got a studio audience <laughs> Jake Query walked in, <laughs> got two very nice-looking individuals. I don't know about you, but radio, you just like looking at a microphone, and it's like, I don't even know if anyone's listening to this. You just cut loose, and, and then there are actual human oh, beings. Oh, I'm like, oh, oh gosh, oh, don't there, worry. there are people. There, there are people around. <laughs> Jake's leaving right now. Our audience is gone. That's a good thing. Just a wanted to see the studio. So oh, that's awesome. Just a gets to see the Awesome, good stuff. Love that. I forgot to have Eddie rig up the uh, cheers and applause, little old '70s studio audience <laughs> sign to, yeah, to yeah, give yeah. cues for when it's when it's appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Um, we want to welcome in our guy George Bremer from the Herald Bulletin here on the Fan. Uh, George, good afternoon, man. Um, 
Are we going to see Check Down Charlie? I'm trying to think of a good nickname for Anthony Richardson. It was like 15 for 19 joint practice, and I think like, I don't know, 14 of them were short yardage or behind the line of scrimmage. Are we going to get a steady diet of this at least early on in his career? Uh, you know, I don't know. He's been pretty aggressive most of the time. I think a lot of it had to do with, you know, that defense that Matt Eberflus plays, and everybody's very familiar with it here. Get that hard shell out there, try to, you know, not let anything go over the top. I think he did a good job last night of, you know, taking what the defense was giving him, not trying to force things. Be interesting to see, you know, how that plays out over a full game. It's one thing to do it in practice. The one time he did kind of let it get to him and, and he did force one over the middle in seven on seven, it was intercepted. So I think that was an early lesson uh, that, you know, kind of kept him to, to doing what I think Shane Steichen wanted him to do. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they tackle a little bit more tonight. George, I know we're dealing with an extremely small sample size, but it was noteworthy that there were a number of sacks given up last night. How much do you attribute that to sacks that would have occurred because he held on to the ball too long versus some more leaks in the offensive line? Yeah, it was a little bit of both. I mean, the other thing about the way Eberflus plays, you know, given Richardson's nature, which we see him in the, in the rest of practices, he wants to take that big shot. And so I think he was looking for it most of the time, and then he was kind of reluctantly taking the check down. Uh, a couple times that led to problems for him and, and let the pressure get there. A couple other times, you know, guys got through and, and, and made a play. It was, you know, not the starting line as well. I mean, it should be noted Ryan Kelly was out, uh, you know, dealing with foot injury, and then Will Fries left really early in practice, and they brought Arlington Hambright in there at right guard. So those guys, I think, were also probably have a little bit of communication issues trying to get on the same page as well. Did you notice anything different now that Anthony Richardson has officially been named QB1? Any different energy, spring to the step, anything that you could see that was different? He's always been a really hyped guy, so I don't think that changed at all. I mean, from from the first day of rookie minicamp, he's always had really high energy, but I think he's just even more comfortable. That's probably been the biggest thing throughout training camp, watching him just kind of settle in, you know, day by day. And now that he's been named QB1, uh, it just seems like he's very comfortable in that role. I don't think he's putting a lot of pressure on his shoulders right now. I think probably helps him go out there and, you know, play a little more conservatively in a practice like last night, not feeling like he has to do something to kind of catch the coach's eyes and, you know, make some big splash instead just going out and doing what he's being asked to do for the team. George Bremer with us, covers the Colts for the Herald Bulletin. The other area that is going to be a question mark, continue to be a question mark until either Jonathan Taylor reports back officially or until another move is made is – how are the running backs on this roster responding and are they doing enough to carry the day? It felt like again last night that it was not the latter. It was once again another struggling performance from the running back room as a whole. Did you see it that way as well, George? And again, I know we're dealing with small sample sizes here, but at what point should alarm bells be going off with where this running back room is if there is no Jonathan Taylor come week one? Yeah, it was really noticeable yesterday. I think that's one of the things. In addition to, you know, Richardson kind of playing within himself and not going for the big shot, the run game was the only time they really got any kind of decent run was when he called his own number. Uh, The run game was really stuffed almost the entire night. And the offense was just sloppy in general. I mean, there were, I think, four holding penalties. Uh, The one really big pass he had, the 30-yarder to Farrell Brown, was called back because of an illegal formation. It just felt like, 
uh, what we saw a lot of last year, just kind of shooting themselves in the foot. You know, the the one four-minute drill they had, which they won because they were able to convert a fourth down and, and run out the clock, but even that was a roller coaster ride. Felt like one step forward, two steps back the whole way down the field. Uh, you know, that running game will help, I think, alleviate some of that. If you can get that consistent production from the running back, it, it kind of seems to put everybody on schedule and it kind of helps you clean up some of those small details. Uh, it's not there right now. And I don't think – I think also you don't want to put so much pressure on Richardson. Obviously, he's that dual threat, and you want to take advantage of it. But you'd also like to you know, allow him a few times to just hand the ball off and, and let somebody else make a play for him. George, if you channel your inner defensive coordinator here, right, if you look at the starting offense for the Colts this season, um, where do you think – they are suspect. You know what I mean? Where you say, hey, this is an area where we could attack them. Maybe it's due to inexperience. Maybe it's due to not being a, a, a top player or a, you know above average player at that position. Where do you think a defensive coordinator would say, here's where we probably have an advantage? I think they're going to start testing that line, right? I mean, until the offensive line comes out and proves you know, on a week-to-week basis that, that they're going to hold up and they're going to give a good pocket. And there were times last night they did. It wasn't like they got whipped the entire night. Uh, but I think if, if you see those that kind of a chance there to, to get pressure on the quarterback, you're obviously going to take advantage of it. The run game that we just talked about, I think as long as Jonathan Taylor's not there, you're not going to worry that much about the run game. You're going to play the pass more and try to force Richardson into to maybe doing things he doesn't want to do. Uh, but even, you know, at, at the receiver court, I think one thing the defense coordinator might make a mistake in is look at that slot spot in, in Josh Downs and say there's a rookie there and maybe we can take advantage of that. It, it's, again, you know, as you've been saying, a very short, small sample size. Uh, but Downs is, is looking mature beyond his years. You know, he's been out there running good routes. He catches everything that, that's in his zone. I think he's a guy that might surprise, at least early on, if defense coordinators do look at him as a weak spot. That that might be a mistake. George, aside from growth, development, and everything else you want to see out of joint practices and training camp, the other big point of emphasis is getting through it injury-free. Ashton Doolin suffering a season-ending torn ACL per a number of different reporters, including Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport. How significant is the loss, and who is impacted the most from a, a positive or negative standpoint within that wide receiver room with his absence now? It's a really huge loss on special teams. I mean, he's just a leader on that side, especially when you've got Brian Mason in here as a first-year coordinator, someone he was going to lean on, a captain type of guy, uh, and now you've got to scramble, and you know I don't know if you replace them with just one guy. Honestly, uh, I think that's going to take a, a group, you know, a team to, to to overcome that. On the wide receiver side, Mike Schron's the guy whose name you know kind of first comes to mind, just because he continues to to make plays, you know, on the sideline throughout camp. But you wonder with the special teams aspect of that, might they go in a different direction? Uh, it's really going to be. A, a huge loss on the special teams unit. It does open up a, a depth spot, though, on the receiver group. And I think there's a number of guys. Strong's at the top of that list. Vincent Smith, if he can get healthy, gets in the mix. Rashard Perriman, if he can get healthy, gets in the mix. And maybe Cody Case, who's kind of flown under the radar, uh, came in as a tryout guy in rookie minicamp, made the team, had really the first deep reception from Anthony Richardson uh, from anybody on the team. 
you know, this may be a chance for a guy like that to, to step up, put together a couple of good preseason games, and, and, you know, make the coaches make a decision there. He's George Bremer. Beat writer, sports editor at the Herald Bulletin, joining us here on The Fan. When you look at the first three games for Anthony Richardson, so home opener against Jacksonville, then first road game in his NFL career at Houston, followed by at Baltimore. So between those three, which do you think is the toughest test for Anthony Richardson at home against Jacksonville, at Houston, at Baltimore? I, I, it's tough because I'm not sure exactly what to, to make. Uh, you've got to say coming in against the reigning division champ is, is a tough way to start, but at least that one's at home. Uh, so I think I lean towards Baltimore just year in and year out. That defense is, is among the top defenses in the league. It's a really hard pay, place to play. Even now, 40 years later, they still don't like Indianapolis. They're still angry about the team moving. Uh, it's going to be a hostile environment. It's usually a really physical game. I think that's one that's really going to be a welcome the NFL moment for them. George, looking at the second of these two joint practices, where are you hoping to see more juice or more of a get-up? doesn't matter what position group you want to focus on, but just an area that you were kind of disappointed last night that you want to see improve tonight. It would definitely be nice to see the run game get going. You know, somebody other than number five break one and and get something going in that area. Uh, but also, you know, I would like to see them be able to to test this defense a little more deep. I know that's something that that the Bears are you know going to be known for uh, keeping those passes underneath. But you still, I think, if you've got a game breaker like Alec Pierce and the way he's played this camp, you'd still like to see them be able to hit one him to get open and a line to give the time for it to happen. I think that would be good to see. And then overall, cleaning up you know, far too many little mistakes. Whether it's, you know, misassignment, whether it's the whole football. That I think last year cost this team again and again. You go back to a lot of these games, it's really just a matter of, shooting themselves in the foot, you know, not just last year, really last two or three years uh, where you can go back to, to really big moments in the season and there's a flag or there's a missed block or something that is detail oriented that didn't happen. Right. Saw too much of that last night. And I think, you know, a clean practice would, would be a really big step forward for the Colts tonight. Hey George, man, thanks for your time today. I hope you have a good uh, rest of the day and we'll catch you later. No problem. Thanks a lot guys. Thank you. There he is. George Bremer from the Herald Bulletin. You know, I was going to ask him, it was a little bit of a phone thing, but not not a huge deal. I was going to ask him if he has any, uh, like, huge regret. Like, maybe I went a little bit too far in his career because Stephen A. Smith came out and said, yeah, I probably shouldn't have called Kwame Brown, what was it, a bona fide scrub? Is that what he said? <laughs> it's in the hotkeys. I don't know if we have enough time to get to that in time. We do. This man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. <laughs> I wanted to know if there was anything on George's hit list. He seems like a very nice guy. I, I, maybe we could assume he called Curtis Painter a hack or something. I don't know if there's something. I, that was a bit too much. Shouldn't have done that. You have anything on uh, off the top of your head? You're not very personal. This is not a, a shot at you at all, but I don't think you take personal cheap shots. I will say... After watching quarterback, my stance does not change in terms of I think he's a high-level average starter. He's good enough to be in the National Football League, but 
I grew to like Kirk Cousins a lot more. Not that I didn't yeah. like him before, but right. I grew to like him a lot more after <laughs> watching quarterback because the behind the scenes stuff and there's a lot of hangups with current quarterbacks in the National Football League of, oh, do I want to do that? Do I want to let them into so much of my personal life? I enjoyed learning more about Kirk Cousins' story, and I, I he's just a good dude. Like I, I hope he makes good. It, it didn't. It's not a full apology, but it's an eye opener of hey, you know what? Like this is, this is a guy trying to make has made it, trying to succeed in the National Football League, and I'm, I'm, I'm a Captain Kirk fan now. I love that. So I'm asking when you were unnecessarily harsh and negative, and there's not and, enough, and you give me. I haven't been nice enough to Kirk Cousins. I have not. That I love that about I'm you, not. though. I've, I've been I've been too critical of, of Kirk Cousins. <laughs> the, here's the thing, though: the people that I have been critical of, like we took a shot at Charlie Weiss earlier in yeah. the week. I don't feel bad about that. Uh, I stand by it. Like most of the people that I've been totally upset about, or maybe labeled unfair towards, they they deserved it. Like right. they they long term effects deserved it outside of you know Kwame Brown not panning out. Yeah, I think I've been very descriptive with the things I've said before. I don't think I've taken personal cheap shots. I might say this guy is a bum. Well, that's, I don't think I've said that. That sounds a little personal. (laughs) This guy is a bust. I I will say that. I don't think that's personal. I think that's just an evaluation, but uh, yeah, Steve, I think there's one that we could loop into the personal aspect. Yeah. That's, you're probably right about that. Eddie, now that I think about it, I've gotten, Oh, here, I got to give you some. You got to give me a little juice there, Eddie, real fast. You ready? Here we go. <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. That is, that is a little personal with the Smurf, Bryce it's Young. tough. Yeah, well, yeah, you got me on that one. <laughs> good, good recall on you. Yeah, I wonder where else I've been unnecessarily personal. Again, I would just say that's a description, but I could see how someone would say that's a personal cheap shot. But. <laughs> Oh, well. We live and we learn, Jimbo. Once is a description. 15 times over a span of three weeks into draft prep lead up would, would maybe be described as just a touch outside of that. Who, well, who, that I would agree with. Who was I doing those shows with? A lot of times it was Brendan. Me. Brendan? Brendan was there too, but it was, it was me for the majority of them. Brendan was, I feel, way more offended than Bryce Young ever could be. <laughs> Brendan was like, can we just move on with the name calling? Guys, <laughs> he was not a fan, not a fan of that. How about this? I asked this to George. What do you think is the toughest test for Anthony Richardson early in his career? Think about these first three games. So it's your very first game in the NFL against the Jags. Divisional opponent. Okay, so that's going to be tough. Your first NFL game, not going to be easy. Then your first road game in the NFL. We don't expect the Houston Texans to be world beaters. They've got D'Amico Ryans as the new head coach. Obviously, defensive philosophy, former linebacker, former D coordinator. So you throw that into the mix as the first road game. And then that's followed up at Baltimore, which, you know, they're probably going to have the strongest defense out of all of those three teams. But that's game three. You get a little bit of seasoning. You get a little bit of – you get some actual reps, right? Yeah. So – Game three, you think game three is going to be tougher than game one or game two? I still agree with you on the aspect game one is going to be the toughest. There's a number of different reasons why, not just for him as an individual, because it's his first real NFL start and it is against the reigning division champion and a team that by all accounts is expected to take another leap forward. At least I know you're not bullish on them. Right, like right, I am, right. but uh, yeah. neither here nor there. 
Eddie, what is it? Is it a decade now or since 2014? Last time they won an opener? Oh, man. Is it, is it a decade now? Uh, let me look. I, th- I think it's 2014. So it, we're approaching a decade drought of season opening wins. I try to suppress that out of my brain. I, I, I understand that as a lot of Colts fans rightfully do. Like There is some significance to that, even though it doesn't matter for his long-term career. 2013. 2013. So it is a decade. Wow. We're, we're on a decade drought of Do you know who it was going against? into openers. Can you guess? 2013, the last yeah. time they won in week one? Yeah. Don't tell me it's the Dolphins. No. Okay. For, um, for, I just didn't know why he brought that up. I would like no. two guesses if I'm allowed. The first one would be the Jaguars. No. The Raiders. Yes. Thank you. Wow. Can you name the quarterback? For the Colts at the time? Well, that one's easy. Can you oh, name yeah. the Raiders, uh, Raiders quarterback? quarterback. At tw- in 2013? Yep. That wouldn't have been Carr. I don't think he was there yet. No. Was yeah. it Carr? No. Well, okay, I wouldn't think so. Carr was, what was he, like 14? Yeah. yeah. 14 or 15. Who was right before Carr? Mm. Want a hint? Some hack. This Terrell guy Pryor. Can, yes. Oh, yeah. wow. Yes. W. I'm sorry. I mean, uh, some upstanding individual who <laughs> might have struggled from time to time as an NFL quarterback. <laughs> Thank you, AFC West. Well, he converted to a wide receiver, if you don't remember. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I remember those dirtbag Chiefs fans <laughs> allegedly were yelling racial slurs at him. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Who was he a member of at the time? Because I don't think it was the Raiders. Did he go to Washington? He went to the Jags, and I he think he went to Washington yeah, as well. Yeah, that's he right. He might have yeah, been yeah, with yeah, Washington yeah, yeah. when yeah. The, that thing happened at Arrowhead. Yeah. that's No place for it. No place. Whatsoever. Yeah, Oak, uh, Oakland, Cleveland, Washington, New York, Buffalo. I forgot all about that. Yeah. Yeah, your dirtbag fan base over there. Arrowhead. Hey. Always getting We're applauded. G- Turns out they're... Raging racist. They're, they're raging racist. Apparently, <laughs> there, there's a there's a guy, uh, Chief Saholic, that's currently in court. He's got <laughs> indicted by a grand jury today for for robbing banks and for uh, laundering the money at casinos. So, yeah, that's a, a, a tough back to back. By the way, based on this uh, information of the Colts not winning openers for a long time, long time. How about the Week One line? We got Jags minus three in the hook. And then also money line if you're so, so inclined. Jags minus 180. You tie it to a parlay there for extra value you know, at the play? That's one of those where I'm I'm sorry, Colts fans. We didn't do our win-loss <laughs> prediction thing. Um, I would take the 180. Confidently take the 180 Ugh. and think about the three. Think about the three and a half. Ew. Tie it to a parlay, Eddie. Come on. Oh, I would take the 180 and tie it to a parlay, but I'm no, not, no, I'm, 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 I'm not laying that. If you're asking me who I think's winning that game, I'm taking the Jaguars. Yeah, I'm not, I'm there, not there's been nothing. For, I no. I understand that. I don't disagree with you. But the three for whatever reason, opener line three and a half with the Colts. I don't know. They brought Matt Gay in to score points, right? Like maybe that's a a, a late gamer that gets you bit on the hook. I, I'd rather just go money line straight up with the Jaguars. I would do it begrudgingly, yeah. but. How many it's times gross. are you? Dude, gonna... I laid two twenty five on Messi scoring a goal the other day. Like I, know, I get gross. it. I know it's bad betting, but it, it worked out. Like I have money now. So <laughs> how bad was it? Look at me. <laughs> how many times are you going to be tempted when it's Query and Company to be like, let's give Noah a call? I mean, come on, this ten year 
streak of not winning in game in week one ends with Anthony Richardson and all he's been saying is negative stuff or critical stuff. We got to give him a ring, right? Are you going to think that from time to time during the season? Th- that thought will pop into my head, but it, it is it is query and company. So I think my 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 just uh, a, uh, my rights on that are yeah you know just a, as a, a group think tank. Just, yeah, sure, just a, just a sure. Hey guys, uh, yeah, I got a suggestion, you know, and leave it. Th- I'm just going to leave that there. What did you say yesterday? I'm just going to leave this. Yeah, we'll just drop it right there. It, am I? It was. was I can was remember I, what we Was about. I the shepherd or the yes, sheep? Yes. I'm just going to leave that yeah. there. Just food for thought. Just something to ponder. Just something to think about. By the way, speaking of things there. to think about, yeah. a lot to think about oh. if you're going to the Back Nine Golf and Entertainment Center tomorrow. Okay. That is where the fan will be out there, and there will be a live silent auction taking place as well. There's still time to register on 1075thefan.com, presented by Franciscan Health Heart Center. A lot of great things going to be up for grabs at the silent auction. There's an old Forester package. There's a Moondrops package, a VIP Ball State experience, and one that I think will not only get you, Brian No, in the door, but actively excite you right now. Yeah. Two tickets to Helium Comedy Club and $100 in gift cards to Puccini's Pizza and Pasta. Oh, beautiful. Listen, based on principle, I'm there just because of the jingle. Exactly. Absolutely. That's good marketing right there. And that's where a stance based on principle works Mm -hmm. to your benefit. Sometimes it does work to your benefit. 1075thefan.com. If you want to get tickets, that event is tomorrow. JMV will do a live show. We will as well. Come out and support. All benefits go to the American Heart Association. By the way, can I give you a random observation? Mm -hmm. I want you to go thumbs up or thumbs down on this one. Okay. Any girl who wears Cubs gear is instantly less attractive. I gotta go thumbs down. What? I get why you're saying that, but it doesn't hit the same way for me. I, it's just this Cubs show. You throw show. out Red Sox gear, yeah. then you'll get my thumbs down. Okay. But got, that doesn't Eddie? work for me. Eddie, you're with that. I hate Cubs fans, so yes, thumbs yeah, up. As, as a Reds fan, Eddie, no, no I just Reds hate fan. Cubs fan. You, you hate Cubs fans. <laughs> Even if I wasn't a Reds fan, I hate Cubs fans. <laughs> How would you describe Cubs fans there? Arrogant. Um, that's one. Especially, Have you always felt that way, or is it post twenty sixteen? No, when that whole thing started, that is when my hatred towards Cubs fans started. Because I've never the, had because like I'm in the wrong room for this. I've never had hate yeah. for the Cubs. Oh, once I have. In my life. I have unlimited hate. You would think with the way their team is playing right now that they just won the World Series. That's that's, that's they did just walk their, off their rivals last night. I mean, not rivals, but cross town yeah. rivals. Come I understand, on. but like. You know, they win a game and then they act like they're going to the World Series tomorrow. The, re- reality check. Yeah. You're in second place. He's, he's, he's right. And you're not even in the wild card yeah. spot. Yeah. Reality <laughs> check, Cubs fans. You're trailing the brew crew. Don't enjoy okay. a walk-off win against Settle your down. No, I'm, not, I'm not saying that. No, I'm not saying that either. I. This is where Eddie and I, we, we mesh. Okay? We mesh. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. It's, uh, this is how I describe Cub fans drunk utterly plastered also on optimism I, that's I hate them the go cubs go song I, I hate it too oh, i was just on. saying that last it's night so i was like stupid. i was like if this was I love the cardinal song so stupid if this was the st louis cardinals song i would still hate it even though i love the st louis cardinals i'll give you a good, an example i love the dolphins their thing miami has the dolphins oh, the greatest football so team no bad i it's hate bad, that they'll take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen yeah, that's right yeah. That's right. It's bad, but yeah. Miami Dolphins. Oh, Miami Dolphins. So hideous right there. But that, that's the thing. 
I don't have a problem See, with positivity. See, but it's so bad, it's good. No, it's so at least, bad, At least the awful. Dolphin song. Maybe not the no, cup, but the, I view the both. Dolphin song is, you know what the Bills do? They take, make me want to shout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but it's the Bills, make me want to oh, shout. Oh, I they add, they add that in there instead after every touchdown. You know what's funny? <laughs> Might have overstepped my bounds a little bit on this one, but I went to a Dolphins-Bills game a long time ago uh-huh. with my girlfriend at the time. And she was starting to dance Miami to shout, and I was like, "You can't, you can't, no, you just, you just can't." It's, it's like a Bills, no, please don't. We're in the air, they're on the ground, they're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl. Everybody now. Uh, <laughs> I think they ripped it off of the Houston Oilers. Did I they? think the Oilers had the same thing, and they changed the lyrics. Obviously, I need extra beef in that. That'd be great. Oh, I need a little extra wrinkle to how that song. It was, it's awful and it's not even an original idea it's tough that's doubly tough oh that's hideous man i hope you guys hey, get who red survived? flagged for that song <laughs> oh i hope you do <laughs> hey who survived though Dol- dolphins came out they're the last man standing in that battle oilers are well that's true into the archives <laughs> that is true absolutely it is all right we got a lot to do coming up next colts bears tale of the season tape We'll have some fun with that. I'm Brian though. He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'm Brian No. He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. Is this a metal song, Jimmy? Decidedly not a metal song. That's weird because I like it. I thought I only liked metal. It's like um, EDM or whatever it's called. This? Yeah. I yeah. don't know what you would. Yeah, you might be right. I don't know. I don't know whatever it is. Dance, EDM, club, whatever nice. you want to throw on it. I like that. It's a good touch to the song right there. I feel like more songs should do that. I feel like you're trying to take an aggressive stance here. No, I'm really to not. prove to us that I'm not, I'm not. I believe you, by the way. <laughs> I believe that you're not just... So are, I believe there's more to you than that, but I feel you need a more a little more rask in your voice there, Jimmy. We did the Spotify game the last time I went rask voice. I ruined my voice oh. for a whole segment, so I'm I'm trying not to. I just had a flashback. Yeah, remember when we just did the random shuffle on our playlist? Yes, I think it was uh, John Denver on you did, mine. You did get a John was Denver. Was it not? Up there. Yes. Yep. Is that metal? I thought it's you not, had one country it's song. It's not metal. Weird. That'd be Denver. Weird. I thought it was John only, Denver to qualify there. Thought it was only metal for me. <laughs> that that's all it was. Okay, we got to do a tale of the tape here. Colts v Bears. All right, I'm keeping track of this. Remind me, I got to look up. We did the Dalvin Cook game. I think I think Eddie won that one. We did how much money will Dalvin Cook sign for? I've been meaning to look this up, but I've got it in my notes somewhere. I, I think Eddie got it, but we keep track. Is the point here? So this is uh, this is for bragging rights. We might put $10,000 a piece off the air on this, okay? Don't you two have a steak dinner bet on something, too? We do. We do have a steak dinner yeah. bet on the next, yeah. what, two Super Bowls? Jimmy yeah. has, how? he's eliminated how many teams from winning the Super Bowl you over the it. next three I, years? I, I, I'm missing one it. of the teams, so I need to get with you to figure out okay. what the last one is. I'll I don't remember who it is. <laughs> we'll circle back to that in a second. Okay, how about this? Okay, just statistically, and this is a tough one. You want to go passer rating? This seems like just a, a done deal. I think passer rating makes the most sense. You tell me if it doesn't. Higher passer rating, Justin Fields 
or Anthony Richardson. Again, this sounds like, are you serious? Really? I, I don't know that it's a done deal. Justin Fields has not lit the NFL world on fire. We're talking 24 touchdowns, 21 interceptions his first couple of seasons. It was better last year. I know he's had a lot more starts. I know he's got a leg up on Anthony Richardson. But I don't think it's crazy. I don't think it's likely. But I don't think it's insane to say I see AR with the higher passer rating. My preference would be QBR. But I still think it's Fields. Oh, if, you're QBR. Me, if you're asking me, if you're asking me, you're a QBR I, guy. I, I'm more of a QBR guy. I yeah. freaking hate. I might hate QBR more than overzealous Cub fans. <laughs> that's saying something that's, after that's, the that's last segment. Strongest. Go back and listen to it wherever you get your podcast. If you need context, I just here's a sorry brief soapbox. If there is such a thing, like stats shouldn't be subjective. Stats should just be what happened. That's how I think. Maybe this is too old school. But the reason I have a problem with QBR, it's too subjective. It's not consistent in every single situation. I get if you complete a pass over the middle on third and 15, that should be worth more than completing a screen pass on first and 10. I get the concept. That's fine. But there's no way you can be consistent with every single situation. So I would rather just have the raw data and then it's on you to not be a moron with that raw data. That's fair, but I feel like, at least in my past experience, oftentimes you can look at passer rating and then look at QBR, and if you did a blindfold test on it, you would be surprised that, wow, the passer rating was maybe a little bit better in a guy that is A, perceived to be better and has had more success at the position than QBR. But I do agree with your point that, yeah, it is... It's not fully subjective, but it is definitely more situational right. than what right. passer rating is. There's a, Either one, I think right. it's both Justin Fields, but I do think it's okay. a little tighter on passer rating. Okay. Which do you want to go with? I'll, I'll let you be the... Uh, you're, you're, you're the maestro. I don't want to ruffle feathers on our last last show together. There's been plenty of time to do that before now. Jimmy, don't make me shed <laughs> tears right now with you just throwing out the lat. I wasn't even thinking about that until you said let's that. Go, let's go passer rating. Okay. Passer rating, you go... I'll go Fields. Fields. I'd have to go Fields as well. Eddie, clean sweep. Indeed. Are we talking by leaps and bounds? How many? Let's ballpark the points. How many points higher for Fields than Anthony Richardson? We're doing Colts Bears. Do you happen to have in front of you what he had last year? I normally don't go by QBR, but I could find it. No, right we're going by passer rating. I'm at, I'm at passer rating. If you happen to have that part in front of you. Okay, let's see. Scrolling down, down, down. Oh, here he is. 17th. So Justin Fields was at 54. 54. Now, that's the the tricky thing, too, is yeah. because this throws in rushing. Comparison, right. though. Christian McCaffrey was 158.3, if you're curious. <laughs> What'd you say? Did you say Christian McCaffrey? Is that what you throw here? Yeah. Right. Uh, that backup, 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 backup quarterback, Christian McCaffrey there. Uh, for comparison's sake, Mahomes is 105.2. Nobody cares, that, That's Jimmy. passer rating. I'm giving you Oh, I thought, we were, I thought we were doing passer rating. Uh, well, I didn't know. You asked me QBR. I gave you QBR. Um, okay, passer rating. If we go passer rating, for scrolling down, Zach down, Wilson down, was 72.8. It's worse for Justin Fields when it's just passing. So passer rating is 85.2. Just a little bit better than Mac Jones. Ten points. Ten points higher for... Wow. Okay, so you think Justin Fields improves a little bit, right? He's got DJ Moore. Had a bunch of starts. More reps. Okay, maybe he gets to the 
High 80s, maybe 90s. That's not crazy. So you go plus 10 in passer rating for field. Mm-hmm. What do you say, Eddie? I'll go 15. 15. And I'm basing this, when I'm looking at like last year, I look at Kenny Pickett. He was at 76.7 for a passer rating. And I would probably think Richardson would be around that. Okay. Uh, just passer rating. So then I was, and then I gave him a minus like three. So I put Richardson at like 72. This is the crazy thing is. So fields get to 87. Yeah. Some of these rookies. Well, and these aren't even rookies from last year, but uh, some of the, the young guys like Zach Wilson, Davis Mills, these guys aren't even at 80 <laughs> and they've, they were in the league for longer than just their rookie seasons. I, I think a rich. This dude, he's probably going to be in the 70s. I'm going to take, I'll take Justin Fields by 18. And I'm not a huge fan. Okay, let's move on to something more positive. How about, how about more, you want to go receptions or receiving yards? You've got Michael Pittman Jr. or the new guy, DJ Moore. Doing Colts v. Bears. Because obviously they're in joint practice together. They play a preseason game this week. So let's, let's look at the tail of the tape between the two. Let's go receptions. Receptions, okay. Pittman Jr. versus DJ Moore. What do you think? I'm going to go Pittman Jr. Plus 15. Wow, really? Okay. uh, Eddie? I'll go DJ Moore. Um, See, that's what I love about you guys. You guys just don't you're like, eh, give me a DJ Moore plus 10. There's <laughs> research that goes, I can tell you guys are gamblers. That's well, what I love about yeah. you. Also, <laughs> for the not, sake of the just segment. just blindly fire. S- Seattle? Yeah, go with the Mariners. I, what What the hell? For, no. for the sake of the segment, <laughs> rather let's keep it moving a little bit. Do no, I no, feel no. like I'm fishing nothing the dark wrong. slightly? Yes, but Nothing okay. wrong with, I, it's not a criticism. I love this about you, genuinely. What Wait, you, I'm going to change here. I'll go Pittman by five. Wow. What was the about face about? Your comments. No. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Just thinking from like a volume perspective, I think. That's, that's exactly what my thought was. Pittman, yeah. I mean, Pittman had 99 catches last year and 88 before that. I mean, in 120 plus targets. And when you look at the Bears last year, nobody had more than 70 targets. So I think the volume will be there more for Pittman than I think DJ Moore. 99 catches, but a touchdown wasn't one. <laughs> It'd be great if that was true. <laughs> it's only just a goofy line without it being true. Okay, uh, give me... Man, oh man. I'm going to go DJ Moore. I, I think I got to stay consistent. If I think that Justin Fields is going to have a passer rating that's 18 points higher, I think that there's a good chance that DJ Moore has more receptions. That's his first real receiver. Like Equinemius St. Brown. Maybe he's spreading the wealth to Darnell Mooney. Darnell you know? Mooney is all right, but that's his first like real guy. They do have Claypool, but shout out Irish. Yeah. I don't know how much he's going to do. Cole Komet, too. Can't forget about him. Another Cole Komet is a good. Yeah. He's a good tight end. I'll go DJ Moore. Eh, plus seven. Okay. Plus seven receptions. Record. Who you like? Colts or Bears, and by how many wins? I would like to defer to Eddie since I've gone first. I'll go go Bears by two. Bears by two. Okay. Uh, That's a tough one, right? I will go... 
Man, we could be push city right here. I'll go Bears by one. That's a tough one. I will go Bears by You're going three. Saucy. Three. Okay. Hey, I don't hate there, it. I, before this, because I knew that was going to be a part of the exercise at some point, Vegas has them right around the same seven and a half over under for the Bears, six and a half for the Colts. So that, that margin for error by their models is what? Plus one, plus two, depending on how you look at it. Yeah. So, Okay, let's do this. Rushing attack. Like it's, it can't be, uh, it could be, but Jonathan Taylor versus, this looks like Bears by committee right now. We don't even know if Jonathan Taylor is going to be there. We think he will. We don't know that. But Justin Fields, as brilliant of a runner as he is, Anthony Richardson projects to do some damage with his legs. What do you think? Colts versus Bears running attack for the entire season. Are we saying the running back room? Or are we including anybody anybody, that carries the ball? Hey, there's a wide receiver, end around, anybody who's running the ball, we're just taking those rushing yards. That's it. Quarterbacks, running backs, tight ends, (laughs) you know, the defensive back that gets in there and he runs it. Whatever, anybody who runs it, we're counting it. I'm going to take the Bears, but this is where I struggle with trying to to quantify what the the mark should be. So if Eddie has a firm answer, I'll defer to him for just a second. I'm just looking for a comparison from Colts 2022 to now and where they were from a discrepancy standpoint from total rushing yards. Yikes. That's a very rough year all around for the Colts. I'd forgotten how bad they were running the football. Um, I will say... <laughs> I will say Bears plus 750. Bears plus 750. Okay. What do you think, Eddie? So we're predicting rushing yards here? Rushing yards. It was for context. Team rushing yards. It was about 1,200 in favor of the Bears a year ago. That was without a Ugh. quarterback thing to do it with your do it with legs like Anthony Richardson now, and that was with limited Jonathan Taylor. Hmm. I'll say Bears by... Uh, 200. You want me to give you a couple of uh, some statistical information before you go? Eddie? Nope. No, you don't want it. Sticking by it. <laughs> Bears by Bears by how many? 200. Bears by 200. I'm going to circle back to that. I'm going to go Bears. Oof. Give me Bears by 900. Wow. Okay. Yeah. You look at last season, rushing yards, Bears had 3,014. Mm-hmm. Led the league. Colts, uh, 1,866. <laughs> we could be over 1,000 again. Um, here's the area where I'm looking for that to level out. Okay. The quarterback slot, 70 total yards rushing for Matt Ryan last year. That's going to get wow. magnified. That'll help. To the emptieth degree by the time that Anthony Richardson's done with things. I'm not know if I'm going to say he's going to have like a – thousand yard rushing season like Justin Fields had last year but I, I think it's going to be more in the 400 to 600 range and then in 11 games played Jonathan Taylor 861 yards last year I think that gets boosted north of a thousand assuming he's available for the course of the entire season so it okay. is a gamble but but that, that's the part you'd factor in I still took the Bears but that's the part where I would say their rushing stats last year were a little misleading okay all right last category is up to you guys what do you want it to be Sacks. Okay. Team sacks. Team sacks. The Bears were last last year. They had 20. I mean, the Colts couldn't have been much better. 
<laughs> Where were the Colts on that? They had uh, 44 sacks. Yep. Oh, they were a lot better. Yes. Okay. Team sacks. I'll go first because I haven't before. Give me um, give me Indy. I'll go Indy. Mm, give me plus 15. Indy plus 12. Okay. Eddie? Bears plus five. Ooh. Whoa. What happened with the Bears' resurgence? Well, they signed two edge rushers. They signed Yannick Ngakwe, first of all. So you can get eight, you get eight there. That's eight less for the Colts. Uh, and you look at the Colts, Quiddy Pay, and who? Who's going to be getting sacks? Like Buckner. Samson Ebicom? Buckner. Who's been hurt during training camp? D-Buck. Get in there. Yeah? Yeah. He may get a couple, but I don't know. It's hard to get for I mean, defensive e- tackles. E- yeah. Even though Ebicom has been hurt, like you're hopeful that you're going to see that investment be on the field at some point. So, yeah, I mean, I think it'll – that's been the biggest thing is waiting for a leap to take forward from the Colts, particularly on the edge. So – like for years we've been saying, yeah, this is the year Quiddy Pay finally puts together a complete performance. I don't fully think what you said is outlandish. Um, but yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I need another big season from DeForest Buckner. You and I, Eddie, are 20 sacks apart on our predictions. <laughs> that is a huge gap right there. All right, coming up next, can I like two things that are the exact opposite of each other? Is that even possible without contradicting yourself? We'll find out. I'm Brian No. He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Brian, no. He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. Top of the hour, Matt Taylor, right around the corner, voice of the Colts. Okay, I need a ruling on this because... I think you got to be consistent. I think consistency matters a lot. So if somebody says to me, "Hey Brian, uh you think this team is going to be, you know, 10 and 7? Why do you think this team that's very very similar is going to be 5 and 12? What's up with that? That seems inconsistent." That's fair if that ever did happen, right? That's just a hypothetical. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. No 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 backstories. Yeah. My knowledge is yeah. not not happen. Mm-hmm. But you got to be consistent, okay? Now, I like two stances that are polar opposites. And I need you to tell me if I'm it's an understandable stance that I like both that differ completely or I'm being totally inconsistent, okay? Okay. So I go back to the Colts with Tony Dungy. He was against fighting in training camp. He was like, "We're not doing it in the game. It's going to cost us yardage we're getting penalized it's stupid we're not doing it and i loved that from tony dungy okay now we get coach prime deon sanders at colorado he says if one fights we all fight <laughs> which i also love there was a a touchdown drill um during a uh, there was a, a touchdown run during a goal line drill and there's a little skirmish and then deon's like hey hey wait a minute Wait, wait. It's just the running back and the the defensive tackle? This has got to be a team thing, over, which I also love. Totally different from each other. And while Coach Prime, he's not saying do that in a game yeah. where we just get everybody kicked out or we, you know, we're penalized the length of the entire field for the first time in football history, right? But in practice and getting an edge, 
developing a mentality of it's all of us. There was a was a great thing with Matt Millen with the Raiders. No, no, no. It was Howie Long with the Raiders. You ever see America's Game on NFL Network? Mm-hmm, yeah. He said that. He was teammates with Lyle Alzado, and he's like, you fight one of us, you fight all of us. And he said that with his kids. He was like, I have the audio somewhere. He's like, if I hear that someone was getting after your brother and you didn't jump in and you didn't help him, I'm going to kick your ass. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he told me. <laughs> so I get that. And, and in this setting, in practice, all for it. They're completely different, but I love both stances with Dungy and Coach Prime. The reason that, hypocritical is not the right word, but the reason I would view inconsistencies with it is because I get that in the same way what you practice in practice, what you want to see in the game, there's something to that of going to your teammate's aid, but there's a different vibe to it for me when it's amongst teammates Yeah. versus like, yeah, no doubt, if that happens on the field and it's whatever, Colorado, I don't know, and Kansas. Yeah. If there's a fight, I want everybody that's on Colorado leaving the sidelines or leaving where they were at the end of their field to go support their teammate. In practice, I mean, I don't need it turning into a inner team brawl. <laughs> I'm for it. You for it? I'm okay right. with it. In a practice setting, just uh, developing that type of edge. Robert Sala said the same thing. I watched Hard Knocks last night. Yeah. It was the same thing regarding they looked sluggish in practice and they needed to get something to get edge right. with them. And he basically said, like, yeah, I want to see that. I want to see them get into one another. And there were. There were, like happens all the time in NFL training camp. <laughs> he's, he's starting something. Offensive line, defensive yeah. line, not happy with one another. He's like, Sauce, did you hear what Wilson just said about your mother? Are you going to take that? It's just, just making stuff up. By the way, how awkward is this year going to be? It's going to be Colorado versus, like, Oregon and USC. They're still all in the Pac-12. The last voyage. <laughs> it's crazy. All right, coming up next, Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts. Got a lot to get into with him. It's on the way. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. Want to welcome in Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts. Our conversation with Matt Taylor is presented by Shelby Materials, the concrete and aggregate experts. Uh, good afternoon there, Matt. Where do you stand on Tom Petty? Big fan? Uh, oh, my gosh. All right. How, how long does your show go here? Uh, I'm, I'm sure these guys have, have warned you of my Tom Petty uh, fandom. Um Probably saw him 10 times, and on the 40th anniversary tour in 2017, I saw four shows right before his death. So wow. feel good feel good about it, but yeah, I know I know a lot about Tom Petty. That's, that's an understatement. How about John Mellencamp? You a fan of him? I wrote my eighth grade term paper on John <laughs> Mellencamp. Uh, we had we had to write we had to write a, a like a six page paper on music and lyrics and poetry, and I chose Seymour's Finest and, and John Mellencamp. That's awesome. Now, here's what I want to know, Matt. I was just thinking about this a second ago. What's something that's widely embraced in this area, something that people in Indianapolis are commonly fond of that you're like, yeah, I'm just not a big fan myself? Is there anything you can think of? Oh, man, that's a good question. <sighs> you know, I don't know because I'm – I'm really Hoosier. Like, I am, I mean, I love the month of May. 
I love the Indianapolis 500. I love a good breaded tenderloin. I love John <laughs> Mellencamp. I love I love going down to Lake Monroe. Um, I mean, I'm I'm probably the bad, the wrong guy to ask for that because I I mean I'm born and raised here. I'm not moving. Everybody here stuck with me. I apologize for that, but. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of 317, man, through and through. There's no doubt about that. Hey, man, there's nothing wrong with that at all. So let's put Anthony Richardson to the side because that's an obvious answer. Outside of Anthony Richardson, who or, or what are you most excited to see at the beginning of this season? Mm, good question. Yeah, I mean, if you take Anthony Richardson kind of out of the equation, I'm just really eager to see what the offensive line looks like. And I think in a small sample size going back to Saturday – you know, it's good. Uh, it was it was on the up and up, especially after last season, you know, the way things went with giving up 60 sacks and all those pressures. I just think that with uh, a renewed, you know, kind of chip on the shoulder with the core group of those players, right, you're talking about Ryan Kelly and Nelson and Braden Smith. Those guys are back. And you know, I've been saying all off season long, I mean, it's, it's really not that long ago, you know, that that group's not too far removed from – you know, leading the NFL in the fewest sacks in 2018. And, you know, I don't know what happened last year. I don't even think they know. I just think, you know, it was just sort of blood in the water in the sense that, you know, once the Colts, you know, showed, you know, they were susceptible to not being able to pick up stunts and, and things at the line of scrimmage and blitzes and some exotics, you know, it, they just had a hard time with it and they never corrected it. But I think you're seeing already, again, in a short sample size, some more creative or uh, creativity in the ground game. Um, you know, the Colts, I think blocked up, you know, the, the zone blocking scheme a little bit different, or at least had some variety within that, um, in that first quarter against the Bills. So that was good to see. Tony Sperano is, uh, again, breathing some new fresh energy within that group. But I just think, you know, as that offensive line goes and Anthony Richardson certainly is, is in that, but if, if you're excluding him, you know, as the offensive line goes, I think this team will go. And, you know, when you talk about a 4-12-1 a season last year, kind of the root of those troubles started with the offensive line. And I think, especially on the left side, you saw tremendous growth. Bernard Ryman, you know, looks the part. He talks the part and, you know, put on a lot of weight. And I think his confidence really grew towards the end of last year and, spent all of this offseason um, solidifying himself as the future left tackle, you know, up front. So I- I'm eager to see if it carries over into, into preseason game two along that offensive line. Matt, focusing on you for just a second, we joke all the time about how there's never really an off day or off moment for you over the course of the calendar year because the NFL has made it a 24-7, 365 animal. And yeah, I know you get time here and there, but it's a very busy 24-7 lifestyle for you, when you pivot and it's like, okay, the 2023 season is here, I know you're preparing constantly, but when does that moment really hit you now as you become a veteran broadcaster in the league? Is it week one? Is it joint practices are here? Is it the start of training camp? When does that light bulb and, and full-fledged, okay, we're here, it's time for a new campaign happen for you? It's a good question. I think it kind of comes in waves. I mean, I think kind of like the line of demarcation from, from one – season in your brain to the next is the draft you know once the draft is over then it's like okay everything about 2022 is in the books you know the season was poor all off season was talking about how poor the season was and then 
looking ahead to the draft and talking about those quarterbacks every single day. Everything you did was, who, who are the Colts going to get? What are they going to do? Do they need to trade up? So, you know, that that's kind of one phase of it. And then you have the draft. And then, okay, boom, 2022 is in the books. You know, the the consequence, if you will, was, you know, they picked fourth and then they got a quarterback and then the draft's over. Twelve guys are in, you know, from that huge draft hall. And so the next week – really it's kind of like a breath of fresh air because you have some, you know, finality to, again, the draft hall and then the schedule comes out a week later and then your mind kind of goes into already like preseason prep mode of, all right, we're playing, we're playing the Eagles, we're playing the Bills, we're playing the Bears. So then like, you know, month of May and early part of June is getting ready for the preseason, kind of laying down that work. But I, I, I think like full-fledged, like you know your life is over from a – you know, from a um, you know a social life component and like seeing your friends and your family, I think I think you know that is is really kind of coming like on that first drive up to Grand Park on Report Day, whatever that was, like July 25th and 26th. I looked at my wife and I said, "Take a picture, you know, take a good look because you're not going to really see this um, until January, you know, when we can have a conversation again without two kids crawling on us." Um, and I'm not working till like 11 o'clock at night getting ready for this game. So, listen, I'm not complaining. That's just sort of how it is. That's kind of what you sign up for. Um, you know, it's, it's seven days a week for, for six months. But as I always say, and I joke, but not really, like, it beats working, dude. Like, I get to talk about football. I get to be on the radio. I get to be talking football. Like, I'm doing what my 10-year-old version of myself set out to do. So, in that sense, I'm, incre- I'm incredibly blessed, and I just have fun with it. And so there are no bad days. It's just kind of a lot of work for, you know, half the calendar. He's Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, joining us here on The Fan. If you were able to handpick the week one opponent for Anthony Richardson and the Colts, would you choose someone other than the Jags? Where if you go, you know, with a lighter opponent, maybe, oh, I don't know, Houston. Um, A lot of people think Tampa is going to struggle. What would you choose if you were able to do so in week one yeah I don't know if there's such a thing as a lighter opponent but I think like selfishly if I if I'm making the ideal cult schedule I don't know if I have you know my chief competition week one of the regular season right the team that just won the AFC South that seems to be best positioned for you know success long term within the division great roster great coach you know, stability at the quarterback position, you know, ample, uh, you know, receivers to throw to. But then defensively, they got playmakers. They've been, you know, drafting the top five for the last, you know, six out of the last seven years or whatever it is. So they're kind of stacked defensively. And you know the Jaguars are going to be throwing a lot of stuff at Anthony Richardson in that first game, a lot of stuff he probably hasn't seen. I mean, you kind of get a, get a little bit of a break because it is a home game for the Colts against the Jaguars and – you know, they've had certainly much better success against Jacksonville at home recently than, than on the road. But, yeah, maybe I would have picked a different opponent, maybe not a lighter opponent, but a different opponent because that game has a lot of magnitude just with it being the Jaguars and an AFC South game right out of the gate for Anthony Richardson. Voice the Colts, Matt Taylor with us on the Fan at Midday Show. Maytay with joint practice night number one in the books. What surprised you? both from a positive and negative standpoint, the most last night? And where would you like to see further growth or see that turned around in night two? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm really, I don't know if surprised is the right word, but excited to see the, the combination of the slot receivers for the Colts and Isaiah McKenzie and Josh Downs. I mean, those, those two guys look destined to have really big roles, important roles for the Colts this season. Josh Downs catches everything. Uh, he's got a huge catch radius for a guy of his his stature, you know, for how small he is. And, you know, it's really not surprising that he and Anthony Richardson seem to have really good rapport. They're in the same draft class, the rooming together during training camp. You know, so they talk all the time about not only football, but just about a bunch of other stuff. So it seems like they're kind of hitting it off. And so he's really, really good. He's returning punts. He's returning kicks. Same thing with McKenzie. He's really good in the slot. But, you know, the Colts are getting creative with taking advantage of his speed, not to get too schematical, but, you know, putting him in motion, you know, some jet sweep stuff, just getting him the football quickly on screens out in space. Really hard guy to tackle because he's small. He's kind of wiggly, if that's the right term. He's got a lot of shift and burst. I mean, we saw it yesterday. He put a move on a guy with yards after the catch and turned about a 15-yard gain into about a uh, 60-yard um, completion all told because of his – his uh, speed with yards after the catch. So excited about those guys. And then just areas to clean up for the Colts. You saw it in the preseason. Um, you know, the Colts were, were held scoreless in the first quarter after some promising drives, primarily because of penalties. And you saw that yesterday in, uh, in the joint practice against the, uh, the Bears. They simulated some four-minute drills and some two-minute drills. Colts had some nice plays, and Richardson had some nice completions, but they got called back because of illegal formations and holdings and stuff like that. So it's kind of procedural. It's kind of little, but listen, we all know the little things add up to big things. And, you know, you can't have, you know, uh, penalties that are erasing big plays from a rookie quarterback like Anthony Richardson, who's trying to build his timing and rhythm and just confidence overall. So you have to take advantage of everything you can playbook wise within this offense. You can't sabotage it with penalties. So tonight I want to see those little things cleaned up within the offense. What are you expecting from Anthony Richardson as far as his play in the second preseason game and also his playing time? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, selfishly, if it was me, I mean, I think I, I would love to play him. I mean, I know I'm not the movers and shakers there, but I mean, I, I think, you know, people say, you know, it kind of complicates uh, the matter when you have these joint practices. You know, you're going to see a ton of stuff in a joint practice that you wouldn't see in a preseason game. And I don't disagree with that. That's that's all true. But I still think there's value of, of playing in the preseason. I still think there's you know procedural value in just going out there, having the headset on right inside your helmet, and being the guy in the huddle, regurgitating the plays at the line of scrimmage, and you know just getting more rapport and more synergy with your first team offensive line, and being in the huddle with guys you're going to throw to like. Pittman and Pierce and, and Granson and hand the ball off to Hole and Jackson. So I still I still think there's value in that. I don't know if he's going to play a full quarter or not, given the fact that he's had a ton of reps yesterday and then tonight against the Bears. Um, and same probably holds true next week, right? You're going to do joint practice one day with the Eagles and then play them on Thursday night. I still think there's a lot of value in playing in the preseason and just getting reps. Reps, 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 time on task. I don't know if I would throw him out there with the second team or the second team offensive line, but certainly the first team, you know, Richardson, I, I would play him just because of his limited resume coming out of college, only those 13 games. I just don't see any downside, if you will, to playing him in preseason games, even though he's got joint practices under his belt as well. 
Hey, Matt, great stuff. Uh, by the way, how many Mellencamp shows did you make it to? I'm going to take the oh, under man. nine and a half based yeah, on what you said about it. It wasn't, it wasn't ten. Yeah. Probably saw three or four. Saw him play with John Fogarty. Saw him play, saw him play New Year's Eve, actually, in 2000. I was maybe like in eighth grade, ninth grade, and saw him play at the then Conseco Fieldhouse, 1999 going into 2000, and everybody's freaking out about Y2K. And his show actually went up to midnight, and everyone's freaking out. He's like, are the lights going to go off? You know, is this place going to catch on fire with the new year? And he kind of made fun of it. Um, probably said some some things I can't repeat. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, great great show from what I can remember being, you know, being in middle school. So, fantastic guy. So, you're jamming to Melon Camp, and I turned five. That's what happened there. That's it's qu- it's quite, a, wow. quite a way to wow. ring in the new year. That's, that's, that's big awesome. stuff. Yeah. He really went there, Matt. <laughs> Unbelievable. By the, yeah. by the way. I don't know. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I mean, I don't know if I could feel worse about myself, but thanks. Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's not even week one yet, my friend. We got plenty of time. Brian, I got something too here real quick. Yeah, uh, sure. Yeah. Earlier in the week, Matt, we had uh, your colleague Lara on, and she was joking with us about how she was on the sideline last week, and her notes went flying, and uh, yeah. I forget who had to save them. And Mount Wilkening uh, made the suggestion that we should get Don Fisher uh, to do play-by-play of Lara's papers flying through the field and uh, getting close to the end zone. Oh, I mean, it's it's classic. I mean, let's go down to the sideline, check in with Lara Overton, brought to you by Four Winds Casinos, and a gust of wind east to west moves across the field and papers flying everywhere, and Lara, is, she is shaking but not stirred, and she is keeping her composure. And we got a little bit of a technical difficulty, but we'll go down to Lara once she grabs her papers. And we'll get that sideline report. The injury update on Alec Pierce. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Now, that was a drop the mic moment. And listen, I, I do have a follow-up question. When I should have just let that be it. But I'm just, <laughs> I, really, I, I just think it's so cool. While we're talking about, you know, Mellencamp and you being true uh, Indianapolis, a true Hoosier. How cool is it for you to be the voice of the Colts? We're... It would be cool to, to be the voice guy of, I don't know, the Rams or the whoever you didn't grow up rooting for. You're not the right. Browns play-by-play guy. You're the Colts guy, and you grew up here. Like, How much does that mean to you, and how cool is that for you? Yeah, I mean, I think about it every day. I mean, I really do. I mean, it's, 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 not, it's not lost on me just like the odds of me having this job in – the market I grew up in for the team that I grew up watching. I mean, <clears throat> I say it all the time. Like, it takes me it takes me 17 minutes from my driveway to get to my seat in the press box in which I call the game. I mean, it's 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 ridiculously how fortunate I am. And you know, I I kind of made a deal with my wife. You know, we started dating and. You know, we, we always wanted to have a family and have kids and everything, and, and she's really close with her family here. I'm really close with my family here, too. So neither of us really kind of wanted to move. And so I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this for as long as I can, and I'm going to chase this dream um, until it just doesn't make sense anymore. And I never had a plan B, which looking back on it was kind of terrifying, but it was also kind of like i got to make this work. And I think – I know not to get too preachy on you guys, but like I, when I, when I talk to kids or I do a class, it's like, don't say no to any opportunity. Cause my opportunity came 
when MS or you know Radio One, formerly MS, you know, took my my resume off a stack of papers and they said we need somebody to come in and answer phones on a Friday night and Saturday night for high school sports, you know, high school football and basketball. Um, if I say no to that really really crummy job, and this is before you know Twitter and everything, um, you know, if I, if I say no to answering phones. Uh, I say no to everything that can happen to me after that. So I got my foot in the door, and I showed people what I could do. I could sh- I showed people my versatility and showed how passionate I was and how I was obviously you know a lot more than just a guy that could pick up a phone and write down a score. Um, so I just needed a, an opportunity. I mean, I'm sure you guys have similar stories where just get your foot in the door, bang the door down, start climbing the ladder. And, you know, obviously you got to get lucky. You got to get, you know, have some breaks go your way. But you also have to put yourself in a position where when something breaks, you know, hopefully there's no reason for someone to not give you the job because of your hard work and dedication. So long-winded answer, it's, again, I'm, I'm incredibly fortunate that I didn't have to move across the country to chase this dream. And I didn't have to move my wife and her family away. So it's just really, really cool that I grew up here. I, you know, I grew up on the South Side, grew up watching the Colts, and now I get to, to work for the team and, and narrate the game and I hopefully give a lot of other people enjoyment um, and enhance their game day experience by doing it. Well, that's awesome, Matt. You're making the most of it, that's for sure. And uh, appreciate the time today, man. We'll catch you down the road for sure. All right, boys. Always good to be with you. Have a good one. Thanks, Me too. There he is, Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. Business first, then party, okay? If you're thinking about a mullet, business first. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to the long hair sure. in the back, on the back half here. So let's go with this. It's like you're about to drop some tough news for me to swallow, but then it's going to be followed no. up with a little bit of positivity. No, no, it's it's really nothing bad. Okay, good. I just think of what's happening in San Francisco. I can't help but think of maybe what could happen in Indianapolis. Where if you look at San Francisco, Kyle Shanahan, the head coach, he said Brock Purdy would have to melt in practice to lose the 49ers job. It's like, that is quite the statement right there. Jimmy, it was just 2021 when the Niners traded a boatload Mm -hmm. to get Trey Lance. And we fast forward to the here and now. Mr. Irrelevant, the last pick of the draft, Brock Purdy, would have to melt for Trey Lance, the number three overall pick, to be the starter. It's just... It's amazing how quickly things can change in the NFL. And I would apply that to the Colts, where it's obvious. Anthony Richardson, number four overall pick. There are high hopes. He's got a lot of ability. All of those things are true. But it shouldn't shock anybody. Were it to happen, I'm not calling the shot, but I'm saying were it to happen two years from now, think about the Colts have, in some weird parallel universe, they draft Mr. Irrelevant. And Anthony Richardson, like, the only chance to get the job is if Mr. Irrelevant melts in practice for him. But that's that can happen in the NFL. It's happening right now. A lot to unpack with that. First with Shanahan, 
there's local beat writers and those close to the team that are on Twitter talking about that comment as he never spoke that glowingly about Jimmy Garoppolo. Like he's never talked about a quarterback the way that he's talking about Brock Purdy within these media scrums. Not just the comment about he'd have to melt to lose it, but he's talking about him like, I don't want to say like he's Tom Brady, but like the, he is a surefire starter that like, yeah, there's no, it's a, it's a two-way double-edged sword, right? He's not just saying that no one else on the depth chart could compete with him for this job, but he's also saying that, yeah, this guy is so good that like I'm, I'm anticipating he is going to be our starting quarterback this year. I will say, and maybe this is a generational thing, I don't know, but if it was a two-year process and you knew Confidently, you knew. Not like you let Trey Lance go and then he blossoms into a superstar. You knew in two years that you messed up. As a fan, not a coach, not a front office member, as a fan, all right, I'm happy that we got over that as quickly as it did. It wasn't a five-year drawn-out process of, oh, maybe this guy's the guy. Let's keep giving him opportunities. It's a very pessimistic way of looking at things, and it's a way to come to terms with it. But yeah, that very well could happen with life in the NFL. I hope it doesn't. Again, I, I think it. I think it is going to work out. I want it to work out, but... It wouldn't surprise anybody, right. particularly in today's NFL, with how short a shelf life that coaches have. That you're going look at look at Sam Darnold, like look at Zach Wilson. There's plenty of examples of quarterbacks that were utilized with high draft pick value, and it was not a four or five season window to get it right. It was year two or year three, and sayonara, see you later, we're done. What a whiff by the Niners. I mean, look, you can spin this and say, hey, Brock Purdy looks like he might be the guy. Okay, uh, maybe you sleep easily right now thinking that's the case if you're Kyle Shanahan or the Niners. Right. But the Niners traded a boatload to get Trey Lance, and he can't sniff the snar- starter's no. job right no. now. Two years later, like, that's amazing to me. But that's the way the NFL is. And so I think as it applies to Anthony Richardson, the Colts didn't even trade a boatload to get him. They traded nothing. They just stood pat and took him number four overall. So it's even easier should they have a better option to move on. I know we're well in the future talking about this, but it's just to paint the picture of what seems to be set in stone or as close to that right now is not. Yeah, I I go back to yesterday. We had fun talking to Andy. He'll be matched up with KB starting Monday. Very much looking forward to that. He's geeked. We saw him just a little bit ago. He's hyped up. That's great. He said something yesterday during our chat where he was like, Brian, I heard a little contrarian radio out of you. And I'm like, did you? (laughs) Because let's think about this for a second here. That lets me know that you're thinking I'm just going the opposite way. Like there's no reasonable argument to be made for that to side be of the made yeah. for this phenom in the making, Anthony Richardson sure, sure. and his sub 400 passing attempts sure. in college. You know, what I mean? so that's what I mean. It's yeah. gone to this length where Anthony Richardson, going into last season at Florida, it was radical to think he would be a top five pick. He does have a lot of ability, but now we get to the here and now. And it's swung the other way where it seems like this guy, if he realizes even half of his potential, you might be looking at a, a complete stud right here. It's like, not necessarily, man. Not necessarily. So you got to see him get out there, see what he can do. But some of the, you know, the comments and some of the expectations or the hoop dreams, for lack of a better description, uh, 
I think they're bolder than what his production is going to be. The easy answer to solve the quarterback situation in Indianapolis is you need stability at that position. For the last four years, five years, it has been what Denver's tried to do post Peyton Manning, what Kansas City tried to do before they got Mahomes, what a handful of other teams have tried to do, which is patchwork quarterback answer. Not usually using a high draft pick on it, just trying to to figure it out. I know the Broncos did in some instances, but they've now pivoted back to, okay, we need a strong veteran in here. We have Russell Wilson. Didn't work out last year, but he's still here now. New head coach. This is how we're going to solve the answer to this equation. The Colts think they've figured it out. They think they have stability. That's what Anthony Richardson is going to turn into for them. That's what they think. The other side of this whole scenario of what do you do to fix a quarterback situation is being in a type of purgatory that is best described as the Cleveland Browns, Hmm. which is continually trying to take swings in the draft and it never pans out the way you want it to. And now they've reset and they've gotten a veteran quarterback into Sean Watson. They hope that works out. But it's a long-winded way of saying the Colts and the fan base and everybody involved have no other choice right now than because of the decisions they've made than for this to work out. Right. Because that's what the argument was the last four years. No more Band-Aids. Let's go get a rookie and let's develop him. But that is a lot harder than it is just to straight out say that statement for it actually to work. Well, that's the thing is, look, I'll use your guy as an example. Mahomes, shocker. Make sure you're sitting down. An insane throw in training camp where he's going to his right. He throws it all the way across the field. He's sensational. But that's the thing. If you look at the Raiders, Jimmy G's not going to be the guy to overtake that team. you got to have big swings. If they're in position after losing big this year to get Caleb Williams, that's a legitimate Mm -hmm. big big swing on a guy that could maybe rival Mahomes, rival Herbert, that sort of thing. So if you apply that to the Colts, I'm cool with big swings. I'm totally fine with it. The only thing is to envision that every big swing results in a grand slam. That's a bit much. But don't misinterpret anything I'm saying about Anthony Richardson. I love that the Colts are swinging big. They are. Because that's what it takes to get big hits. So I have no issue with that whatsoever. We'll just see if this is, you know, it's not Beltron striking out against Wainwright on the 12-6 curveball (laughs) that he watched go by. The Colts are swinging from their heels. Like Uribe used to do. One of my all-time favorites with the Giants. Swinging wildly. And, and when he uh, hit it, Eddie, you know. Yeah. It went. Adrian Beltran. <laughs> Same Adrian, thing. Yeah, that cuts the cuts it deep over there with uh, Jay Cook. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Hey, brief uh, bad beat story for you before your bets. Jay Cook. So on NFL Network, we're watching a replay of this Jets-Panthers fine preseason game. So I'll give you as as brief details as possible, okay? Because I could go for the next two hours probably on this one, but I'll I'll be brief. So one of my guys, he's a professional better. He sends us a text, and he was like, take Carolina, I forget, like minus two and a half, roughly. When? For this game. (laughs) Yeah, for this game, (laughs) preseason game. And I'm like, "Eh, I've called Bryce Young a Smurf all-off season. I don't. I don't know if I should be betting on Carolina minus points, but I'm like, whatever. This guy's really sharp. He's good at what he does. I'm like, eh, all right. I'm just going to dip my big toe in the waters. First half line, I should say. First half line, Carolina. I'm like, that's even worse. I'm really banking on Bryce Young, but I'm like, all right, fine. It, it didn't work out at all. They got shut out. 
And then while I'm watching the game, I'm like, no one can score. I'm going to take the in-game first half under 12 and a half. Touchdown right before halftime. I lose that. So I'm down two. I even texted him back and I was like, what about the under for the first half? Because I'm like, the Jets aren't all world on offense right now. There's no Rodgers. They couldn't do anything against the Browns, right? How about Carolina? It's Bryce Young's first preseason start. How about the under? He doesn't get back to me. So I pass on that. I pass on what I would have been right on. I bet on what I was wrong on. I took the under in the first half, was wrong on that. Then I go under for the game. This is the best part. 26 and a half. So it's it's 20 to nothing Jets. Jets have the ball inside the five-yard line, under two minutes to go. It's a great time for a field goal. Is it not? You're up 20 to nothing with less than two minutes to go. They're like, it's fourth down. Hard knocks in the building. Let's try to score a touchdown. <laughs> and whoever the quarterback was in there, buys some time, scans the field, looks around. Oh, that guy's wide open. Touchdown. I lose that one too. Then the last little cherry on top. This is how frustrating betting can be sometimes. He sends us another text. Hey, take the Eagles plus three and a half in the first half against the Ravens. I'm like, I'm done betting preseason for today. It hit. Yeah, I didn't bet on that one. So there you go. Long-term friend or just a, a, a mutual friend you've known through the business? It's a little rocky right now. It's a little rocky right now. No, no. Did you know him before no, he I became didn't. a professional gambler? No. No. So not enough to really rib him and give him a hard time. No. Like, hey, man, what the heck? No, I wouldn't be that guy. Okay. But yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't make me bet it, you know? He just Fair. provided information. But if it's a friend of yours, I might, even if it's yeah. in jest, be yeah, like, yeah, hey, yeah. man. Hey, great pick there. You could go 10 in a row, Good but job. I mean, what have you done for me lately here with this Carolina bet? <laughs> what are we doing? All right, we get Jay Cook's picks right around the corner. Eddie might dabble. I think Eddie, if he's going to dabble, needs an intro. I'm just going to leave that right there. Secret sauce. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Brian Noe and Jimmy Cook with you here on The Fan. Man, the weather is deteriorating so quickly right now. Good Lord. I, I don't know. By the time we leave... If it's going to be a hurricane or something going on here, it's getting <laughs> reckless outside right now. I will say, regardless of if that's the type of weather we have tomorrow, it's rain or shine action at the back nine. There Golf you go. Entertainment that's Center. what I like. The to fan hear. is going to be out there. Hey, 10 a.m. all the way to 4:30. Plus the ride with JMV going three till six. Sound think, auction is great, by the way. Yeah, I think it's getting it out of its system yeah, right now. Getting out there. So we don't have to worry about it tomorrow. Yeah, I think it's going to be better tomorrow. Silent Auction, Colts VIP, Pacers VIP. There's an IMS VIP. All three of those just outstanding packages. You can still get tickets, 107.5thefan.com. And it's going to be a great day. I'm looking forward to being out there tomorrow. Very much looking forward to you being out there, enjoying all of it. Um, Maybe bid on something for me. After I lost the Mario Kart showdown to my nephew, Mini Matt. You need a (laughs) pick-me-up. I need a little pick-me-up right there. Jimmy. I was down 16 to 14. We do all 32 races. Yep. I had to win the last two to force a five-race overtime. It's never happened in the history. This is the 11th annual. We started when he was, I don't think he was a teenager yet. You know? So, 16-14, I've won five of six, though. Yep. Bowser's Castle. Oh. I have the lead. 
but I got a cloud. You know, this is on the Wii, so the Mario Kart aficionados out there. Yep. Got a cloud, makes you go faster. So I hit the last jump. I do the little speed boost, and by shaking the control, the speed boost, shaking the control, coupled with the cloud, too much speed. <laughs> too much speed. I'm, I'm drifting. I'm drifting. There's a ledge right there. I'm like, I'm going to make it, right? Then I say, am I going to hit the ledge? And just like a shallow fly ball at Wrigley, <laughs> when the wind's blowing out, I'm just blowing it right into the lava. The dream is dead. Dream is dead. It's a tough way to go out. Bowser wins again. Insert Reggie Miller. Yeah. Choke. Yeah. Lost 17-15 again. I don't know how many. Hey, you I, went out on your own terms, though. You went full speed, full throttle. I think my record is now 1-10. in 10. That's I believe that's only 2015. That's it. Let's Banner win year. some money. You know, that would pick me up. Let's win some cash here. The Jay Cook Plays of the Day. This is me, all right? I'm not a f- athlete. This is my f- way. This is how I win. I am very hopeful that Eddie can pick me up a little bit more here because I Don't. hate everything about today's slate. Oh, really? I'm not a fan of a lot, so I'm just going to go Dodgers money line minus 148 over the Brewers, and then I'm going to lay the four on the Philadelphia Eagles because minus 198 feels like a cop-out in the preseason. So we'll lay the four Eagles-Browns preseason tonight. So you're going against Corbin Burns with the Milwaukee Brewers? I understand, yeah. I'm just playing a favorite, and we're, we're rolling with it. So I'm mm. doing Yep. So I'll go first five in that one. I will take the Milwaukee Brewers on the money line, plus 110. Hold your horses, Eddie Garrison. Oh, that, man, now I feel like it's a lock. The bet has been thrown into the ether. Get your money on the Dodgers now. He skipped the intro. It's not too late. I mean, there's a little time. Go. What were you yesterday, Eddie, without an two. intro? One and two. Oh. I and he's already 0-1 right. now. Cause Stop. I'm saying. It's time. Stop what you're doing right now. If you've got money in the bank, get it out. If you've got money in the seat cushions, get it out. If you've got money in the wallet, get it out. Put it all on what Eddie Garrison says from this point on, not before. <laughs> I'm still going to roll with the the Brewers' first five money line. Look, I told you earlier in the week, anytime the Reds win, the Brewers win, except last night. Anytime the Reds lose, <laughs> the Brewers lose. The Reds don't play today, which means the Brewers are going to win. The Reds can't get a break right now, so I'm going with the Brewers' first five money line, trusting their ace. Uh, Lance Lynn has struggled mightily this year. He's given up runs through first five almost every time, so we're just kind of banking on the fact that we can get Milwaukee to score two or three runs off of Lance Lynn, and hopefully uh, Corbin Burns only gives up one. That's the only one I've got today. That's it? Yeah. It's a very ugly slate. I don't know how to feel about this. Do you have anything? I have it. I don't. I'm sorry. I I planned a tear-jerking end to our days over here. No, I'm kidding. I mean, it is. But, it's it's but, the end of a great run. But Eddie made the pick pre-intro and the same pick post-intro. I don't know what, I, I don't know what this Doubling means. Doubling down. It's Doubling down. Man, I don't know. But in all seriousness, it has been awesome hanging with you guys. Right back at you. We've done a lot of fill-in shows together. Query and company beginning on Monday. Yep. Shout out to everybody involved. I know you're going to be involved with that. Yep. I hope you enjoy it immensely, Jimmy, but it's been a lot of fun. All the best to you, my friend. It's been great to get to know you the last couple of months. Yeah, absolutely. I just know I won't be in Peoria long term. That's all (laughs) I can tell you. (laughs) JMV coming up. Eddie, you're the man as well, buddy. Uh, Keep it locked right here on The Fan.